Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. I am not Tom Brenneman. And I know many of you are probably tuning into this show wondering what the hell is going on. Is Chatterbox just sinking ship? Is it a sinking ship? I don't know if it's a sinking ship. It might have had a hole in it from time to time. And it's kind of sank before, but it's not the Titanic. I can promise you that. And I know many of you are probably jumping in here in mass numbers trying to figure out what is going on with Tom. What is going on with Tom? It's Paul's last day. What the hell is going on? Where is Trace? I'm right here. Um, and I'm happy to inform many of you of what's going on, and I'm going to give this a little bit of time to marinate before I update the situation that is Tom Brenneman. Um, so I'll go around the room. We'll have some lighthearted discussion here before we get into Tom, because many people probably, they don't jump into the show right at 10 o'clock um, because they're busy and or they forget because uh, the numbers do climb as the show goes on. So I want to wait and make sure that there's, there's as many people in here as possible once we let everybody know. What's going on with Tom? Because when I explain what's going on with Tom, then inevitably people are going to come into the chat. They're going to ask what's going on with Tom, and then you're going to have to re-explain yourself all show long. So the more time I give to this and the ability to make sure there's as many people as possible in here should make the chat a lot easier. So let's go around the room. It's, it's nice to see Reed Mouse back in the office. We got a lot of people that go on vacations here. Reed, you took a well-deserved vacation. Vacation is probably maybe the biggest thing that you get here at Chatterbox Sports. Reed Mouse, how was your vacation? It was fantastic. Yeah, it was, it was, it was great. You know, you opened with talking about ships and, and cruises and Titanics, and luckily I didn't, I didn't go on the Titanic, but my cruise was fantastic. Got to visit three different, pri or three different islands, and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm glad to be back, though. It was a stressful time when I, I, I heard Paul was leaving, <laughs> the Tom situation. I was, I was stressed for, for, for one of the days, but we're back. We're, we're back in the groove of things, so... It's good to be back. You know, I, I actually went on a cruise when I was young, and I know that cruises kind of get a little bit of hate mail sometimes. It seems like cruises are the bad end of, a, a, of, of jokes many times, and I don't really understand why. i got to be honest. I enjoyed my time when I was on a cruise. Now, I was like 13 years old, so, you know, I legitimately all I did was run around and try to find other 13-year-old um, girls. Girls, yeah. yeah. And I also probably just wore the arcade out about as much as one could at 13 years old. And I think there was even like a little teenage dance club in there. I had a hell of a time when I was 13. Now, would I have a hell of a time when I'm 30, whatever I am now? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But I, I'm not, I'm not afraid to try it again. Um, Seabox Cruise. I don't know if I ever want to do something like that. Uh, yeah, I don't but, know about, but, I don't know about that. <laughs> but. But I'm not going to say that I would never take a cruise again. I know many people are scared of the seasickness. Casey, you said you were scared of the, the seasickness. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I would. So once you're out, you're out. Like, there's no going back. And if you're sick immediately, you're just going to have a miserable time the entire time. And how long were you on that cruise for? Five days. Five days. Good I did get a little queasy one day because there was, like, storms in the area. So the the... Um, waves started rocking big and you could kind of feel it as as the night went on and it was uh that that made me feel a little queasy but other than that you i couldn't notice it hardly at all and and like like trey said i know cruises get a bad reputation and i fully understand why i fully understand that they wouldn't be for everybody but i had a lot of fun there's a billion things to do 
you kind of once you're on the cruise you don't worry about paying for stuff the entire time all the food's free if you get the drink package all the drinks are free so you're just sitting there enjoying your time doing the best you can and hopefully not losing too much money at the casino because yeah. that's not free speaking of rides paul this is your last ride yeah i don't know if that's uh totally hit you yet uh you're back there in the usual seat that you've been in all year long you're uh i, I before we get into the, the 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 mini discussions i'm sure we have today one Hopefully you're doing well. Two, are you a cruise guy? I didn't get a chance to hear this. No, so I've never been on a cruise, and I think similar to Reed, like I'd like to go on one just to know what it's like and do it. Uh, I feel like the casino, Reed texted at one point and goes, it's very hard to not go to the casino every time Mariana takes a nap. I thought, yeah, I'd probably be the same way. Probably be the same way. You just go on a cruise and get in international waters, and you just want to go hit the tables, baby. Well, it's crazy because you don't even use cash. You literally want like your card, you get a card when you get on the cruise and that's where you swipe everything. If you want to, anything extra, pay for things outside of the food and the drinks that you already get, use your card. So you show up to the, the tables and you just throw it on the table and be like, can I get 200 bucks out? Or can I get a hundred bucks out? And oh, they just, man. they just add it, charge Dangerous. it to your room. They just oh, charge man. it to your room. Yeah. It's it's, it's scary almost. Luckily mm. I didn't gamble too much. So to be clear, this isn't this card is a, is like a is like a cruise card. This isn't like your actual real credit card. You're, well, you're, you link your credit card. Yes, too. I know, but it's almost like this. Uh, there's a whole another layer of psychological warfare that's going on on this cruise right now. Because if you're using your credit card and you use your credit card a good amount, you you associate your credit card with cash. That's what that's how I've been my whole life. I know many people, at least my, my grandparents, were very concerned for a young Trace when I had a credit card because it's like you can't go out. It's like. I, when I when I use my credit card, I I think of it as giving them twenty dollars in cash. I don't. It's not like I'm like, oh, I don't worry about it. I don't have to pay for that, a, you know, until two months later, whatever. But if they give you a card for your card, yeah. now we're now we're in a different discussion. Yeah. Now now I'm thinking now I'm thinking this is a little more of like monopoly money. You're gambling on credit. Yeah, hundred percent. You, oh. Yeah, you're gambling on credit. Yeah, which is incredibly scary. Luckily, like I said, luckily I didn't do it too much. But it was, uh, it was funny. You know, they're giving me crap about a. I I, I gave this story yesterday that swingers like. Yeah, yeah, you got to made a proposition to me and Mariana. So the first night there, my favorite thing about the cruise was that because everyone's disconnected, you mingle, you meet a lot of people and stuff like that. And I really did enjoy that. We we met two friends that we hung out with every night. Well, the first night that we got there, we meet this this couple. They're they're probably like early forties. They're a lot of fun and they were. You know, honestly, a good-looking couple, and we're sitting around with them, talking to them, and they're telling us stories. And the more and more we're hearing stories from these people, I look at Mariana's like, I think these people might be swingers. Like, I think these, I think these guys are swingers. And they're telling stories how they have couples over. They live in Hollywood. They have lingerie parties for these couples, and we're looking at each other like, what the hell are we? Like, we got to get out of here. Mariana takes a shot of Patron at one point and goes, are you guys swingers? What's going on here? <laughs> And, and they immediately go, no, 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 no. The next day goes by and um, our two friends that we met, these two girls, see this couple back on out, like working out or something like that. And the guy goes, hey, you remember when Mariana asked last night if we were swingers? We're not. But sometimes we like to add a third party. And these girls just looked at him and just were like, what the hell's going on? So we avoided them at all costs for the rest of the trip. But yeah, it was very much a, it was very much a weird proposition, but we avoided them. So it was good. 
So, so safe to say you didn't take them up on their offer. No, 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 no. Okay. God, no. All right. Well, you wouldn't admit if you did. Um, I see in the chat, I did not know this, and I apologize in advance. One, I, I, um, I wasn't prepared to do this show, quite frankly, not making excuses for myself, but just telling you the truth um, this week. As far as, as, far as the situation um, with John... Feynman. Is that, is that how you say John, his name? John Fay. John Fay. Yeah. I, I, I did not read his work a lot. I did obviously see his name. I know he, he wrote for MLB.com for the Reds, I think, for quite some time. Uh, I think he even was in the booth at times on uh, when they used to do that. I think that uh, um, during the game, obviously, the radio broadcast would have a beat writer up you know, at least once per game. I don't know. I know they don't do that anymore because of the pitch clock, and there was a little bit of a fuss because of that. And um, I've come to learn that he obviously had some health situations with his wife that he had dealt with. And at this time, I don't know if the chat knows, but at this time, obviously, um, he has lost his life. And, and we don't know, at least in this office, we don't know the reason why. And we're not going to speculate and get into those things. But obviously, prayers to his family. Um, and he's a relatively young guy. I don't know if we know uh, what, what his age was, but I'm sure someone in the chat will know. But nonetheless, uh, sad news. I really wanted to keep this show relatively upbeat because ultimately we'll get into this topic now which is obviously tough right many of you have come to know tom from his broadcasting career you followed his uh, his journey if you will and then he decided to step outside the box and do this show and anyone that's inside this chat for the most part i'm not saying every single person inside this chat but for the most part every single one in this chat has been a, a, a supporter of Tom. Doesn't mean that you believe in everything that he says, and you guys obviously get on him from time to time in the chat, and next thing you know, you know he's going down in the rabbit hole of arguing with people in the chat, and that makes the show kind of fun at times, right? But at the same time, I think everybody has grown a respect for Tom and, and, and around his life, and obviously getting to know him on a daily basis has, has changed my perspective of Tom significantly. I mean, I, I obviously, I just knew him from a broadcasting uh, career standpoint and then you get to know him on a daily basis and and you just you feel like you 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 know two different people or at least your your perspective is that you you've you've known two different people so tom has a situation going on right now his, his it originally started with with him taking time off that was not you know uh, a lie that that wasn't like oh i need to kind of hide what's going on here but Tom took some time off, and uh, this was a pre-planned time, taking off for vacation, then obviously getting his kids settled in. And during that time, uh, he sent me a message and said that he has a vocal cord issue. Now, many of you know during Tom's broadcasting career, he had a vocal cord issue uh, once before. And, you know, no problem. Went, got surgery, and um, came back a month or two months later, or whatever that time frame was. Um, we were buying some time. I was buying some time before I kind of notified you guys of what the situation was and what it looked like because um, at the end of the day, we weren't sure or he wasn't sure, quite frankly, if it was a real issue or not a real issue. He didn't know if it was just in his mind or if it was actually a real problem. So he took a chance, um, got back from vacation, and immediately when he got back, he went to the Cleveland Clinic to see what that looked like. Um, he is hopeful. He is hopeful that it is a minor situation. Um, he shared with me that he is going to take um, just some steroids, and that might fix the issue, and he'll be back within two weeks. And he wants to let everybody know very clearly that you don't need to feel sorry for him. It's not life-altering. It's not career-ending. Um, there, there, he, he 
plans to come back in full strength. He just doesn't know when that is going to be. So that might be two weeks. That might be two months. Um, but to be very clear, uh, he's not going anywhere. There's, there's not a real major um, issue outside of the vocal cord situation that is going on. And we're here to support him no matter how long it takes. And having said that, um, you know, what do we do from the show going forward? How does that look? I have a lot on my plate, but at the same time, I also feel like there's a situation where if, if duty calls, you have to meet the bell. And I'm going to host the show until Tom comes back. And I'm going to do my best to, to give you everything I got. I, I'm going to try to take the show. And, I, and again, I think Tom did a great job. I, and I think the show in and of itself was great. But I'm going to try to take the show to another level and see if I can't make it to where when Tom does come back that I do such a good job that many of you want us to continue to do the style and the format that we plan to present you for the next two weeks or two months. I don't know what that looks like. Obviously, we're not going to rush Tom back. Tom doesn't need to rush back. There's no reason to do that. Um, but, at, but at the end of the day, that is the situation, okay? Um, it, it's, it's one in which, you know, uh, it, does it stink? Yes, but I will tell you, and I don't mean this in any negative form or fashion, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, every single time something has happened at Chatterbox that we thought was a bad thing or we thought was devastating or we thought that was going to probably derail us as a company, I mean this sincerely. You might think it's a joke. I'm being dead honest with you. It has been the best thing that's ever happened to us. It's, it's, it's given us a chance to have to do something we wouldn't have done otherwise. Does it mean that I need to get a show? No. If I wanted a show, honestly, I can make myself get a show. But I don't, I, that's not never been something that I purposely have tried to do. Am I saying that me having a show is going to make Chatterbox significantly better? No. But there's a chance where, and I, and I, and I say this openly, I, and I don't, I don't, this is going to sound a little egotistic. I don't think that I'm going to ask anyone else around Chatterbox or anyone else that wants to join Chatterbox to do something that I wouldn't do myself. And I am going to challenge us to make the best show we possibly can. I'm not saying that it hasn't been that yet. But at the, but at the end of the day, I genuinely mean this. That whether it's two weeks or two months, I'm going to pour everything I possibly can into making this the best show. Some of it's going to be humor. We're not going to sit up here for two hours every day and, and, and discuss the nitty-gritty details of why the third-string guy uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals that plays right tackle is, is going to be the reason as to why somebody, you know, maybe wins or loses. But I think we take calls. I think we keep it you know, relatively informal, interactive, fun, funny. I don't know how many funny people we have in this office, but I'd like to keep it as funny as we possibly can. Because I think ultimately at the end of the day, when you, when you peel back this onion that is off the bench, that is sports talk, that is all of this, the truth is, is that you, as a viewer, just want to escape whatever you're doing. And it's not that you don't enjoy your life, but you want to be entertained. You want this to be fun. And that's what this should be. It doesn't need to be serious. This, this company has been built off a lot of hard work. And at the, at the end of all of it, I'm just telling you, we have a, a load, a, a, well, a boatload. I don't want to keep using puns here for this stupid cruise ship that you went on. People think that I'm trying to do this all show. But we have a boatload of things, quite frankly, that are coming. Okay, and we'll share those as we go on throughout the show. Next week, there's some huge announcements going on. Um, some, you, you know, I'll just say it. The Bash on Short Vine that we had done one time last year. Uh, we're going to announce on Monday the sponsorships of that and, and, the, and the schedule that comes with that and the guests that come with that. 
Um, I know that that's kind of outside of this show specifically. We also have probably four other shows that we're going to launch this fall. Um, so the show goes on. Um, and I just want to say that I appreciate your loyalty to our brand. And it's not dawned on me or lost on me that you could go and do whatever you want with your time, your effort, and your energy. But there's been a lot of OGs in this chat, man. And the idea of just uh, just deciding that we're going to take the show off the air for two weeks or take the show off the air until Tom comes back is... It's just not going to happen because the chat in of itself, I'm not naive. We bring a guest on. The chat in of itself is a show. There's a whole community within inside of a community that is the show. So I don't want to take that away. I think it'd be dumb to take it away. We're not going to take it away. So that's kind of the situation. I know many people are going to come in here and ask, what's Tom? What's Tom? What's Tom? Where's Tom? Listen, it's as simple as this. Tom has a vocal cord situation. It's not life altering. It's not career threatening. It might take two weeks. It might take two months. It just comes down to how his body reacts to the situation that is at hand. I talked to him on the phone. You know, I think Tom will be fair in me saying this. You can tell he has a vocal cord situation going on. Does it sound horrendous? Could he, could he muster through these shows? Maybe. But you can tell there's, there's something that's not right, and that's probably why he felt that way, and he's going to get it fixed. So until we get there, you're going to have to steal, stick with your boy Kevin Newman right here. Right here, okay? I hope to be a little better than Kevin, which isn't hard to do. But I'd like to think maybe um, maybe I can come up and be like uh, Matt McClain or something like that. That's going to be my, my goal, you not ever, Kevin Newman. You ever think about how, how many companies we hurt by having this show every day? Because the chat is the show. Like we, You're right. Like The community that has formed in our chat is absolutely – Incredible. And we love you guys having in here all day, but I assume you guys are having day jobs. And I love the fact that we are detracting from your work at wherever you work at just to be with us every day from 10 to 12. You ever think about how many companies were hurting out there just by no having a fun show? Yeah, I mean, it's probably the work, the, the, uh, the, what's the old uh, thing they do every single March Madness? It's like, it's like the, the, the business office or the business writers of the world. They got, they, got one, they got one article that they can pin themselves into on the Thursday before March Madness. And it's like, how much work productivity is lost during March Madness? And they make up some bullshit number, right. kids show, but they make up some bullshit number that's like, you know, Nine billion dollars. Like, where did you come up with that? That reminds me of, like, the analytics crowd sometimes in baseball. It's like, I mean, it, you, you, once we get so many onions or layers deep into this onion, you've lost me. But whatever. Maybe, perhaps, on this show, we lose, like, a million dollars a year in work productivity around Cincinnati. I don't know. <laughs> but nonetheless, we're going to take calls. Elliot said something absolutely atrocious yesterday on this show. I mean, I don't know if I've heard a worse take. I'm being dead ass serious when I say this. I'm and, and a kid. It's a kid show. I'm gonna reel it back in here. All right. If you're if you're if you've if you listen to Tom, I know he usually keeps the he keeps the four letter words and all those things out of the show. I'm gonna do that as well because probably my kids at some point watch this show and I don't want them to. Well, they hear it already. But we're, that's beside the point. Uh, Elliot said that he could win the Masters if he was given ten years, which I would proposition him. He's got a link. He's gonna call into this show at some point. I, I genuinely want to believe if he if is this a bit or does he think this truly? So Elliot, the king of bits, he 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 does play it up very funny. But I think there's a part of him that truly believes that. I really think, which I love. I love the the pride and the 
the ego there to think that with, with so much time and so much dedication that he could be the greatest in the world at, at some specific thing. But there, it's just not true. It's just not true. There, there's a degree <laughs> that you can't get to. Trace, you and I, you know, in, in Chatterbox, we've done high school golf matches before. Yes. We golf quite a bit. And we're okay. You're much better than I. We're okay. Okay is, is being right, yeah. We go to these golf matches of small schools, some big schools, and they are just they blow they blow us out of the water. Like, I mean, every every par three, they're on the green with a birdie shot. Like these guys are really good. Like I would say that most of us that are golfers now aren't gonna be the one, twos, or threes on most high school golf teams in the area. Like we are so far behind the eight ball. Just to think that you give ten years, you're gonna be Play. Not not only competing for the Masters, but you win one is ludicrous. Yeah, it's the most ridiculous take of all time. The other thing I did yesterday, um, I went to Kings Island. And I'm telling this story because I feel like there are, uh, if you've not been to Kings Island in a while, I feel like you should treat yourself and go to Kings Island. There's some decent rides there. So I, I get on the delirium yesterday. And I, this is more of a, maybe we put this in a chat. This is the poll question. This is the type of content you're going to get on a daily basis here when I'm doing the show. But I want to know what the chat's going to do or what the chat would do in this situation. I have a little bone to pick. Um, largely because when I go to things, I'm not always overanalyzing whether or not some, some company should be doing things better. But if you're doing something in an archaic way, it, I can't help but just become frustrated by it. And Kings Island lost and found is one of the most archaic methods of lost and found of all time. Especially when you couple the fact with that you have a tracking device on what you lost. And you can tell them exactly where your said lost item is. But no, no, not at Kings Island. They don't want to know that information. They just want their workers, by the way, probably great workers. I'm not downplaying them. They just want their workers to search the ride at the end of the night. So I'm just like, so you're just going to search the ride. So I have a story to tell. I have a phone that pretty much is a very important piece of, uh, of equipment for me and my job because I have to, you know, basically use it every minute of every day, whether people are calling me, texting me, or emailing me. You know the drill. If you've worked, you have a general idea of how much a phone could be important from yourself. But here's the deal. I dropped my phone yesterday off of a ride. I kept calling it the delirium yesterday. It's not. It's the banshee. Oh, my God. Rode the Banshee one time. First time on the Banshee. As soon as I get on the ride, I think to myself, okay, my pockets are a little shallow. You've probably had this situation before in your life where you're, whatever you put in your pockets just doesn't want to stay in your pockets because the pockets are shallow. Reed probably has this problem all the time. The thing is, the, th <laughs> the, th the thing is, is that I even thought right before I got on the ride, I was like, I probably should just put my phone over there. But then I was like, someone could just take my phone, like easily just legitimately take my phone it's right near the exit they could just grab my phone walk away so i thought all right i can't do that i'll just put it in my pocket it should be fine it'll be it'll be fine i'll stick it underneath my 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 hamstring or whatever term you want to use there and i'll i'll put my leg down on it as hard as i can and we'll just we'll, we'll let it rip well i go to get off the ride and i start feeling my pockets phone's gone now this is some this is some impressive stuff and the only reason i bring this up because this is actually the most impressive thing about it so the ride's over Casey, I don't know if you can do some engineering here and zoom in on this. But the ride's over. I get my phone back at night, thankfully. So shout out Sue and the Lost and Found, even though their system is archaic and ridiculous. I have, and I don't want to cut myself here. This is how serious this is. I have a phone that works. 
Oh, baby. Oh, yeah. I have a phone that works. Look at that. The the up and down button the up and down button is is a little hairy. The the look I got I got I got pieces of it falling off here as as I as I'm trying to show you here. But I think I'm gonna ride with it. I'm, unless unless the chat thinks I should get a new one. It the only thing that doesn't do is the the uh, the power button doesn't work. So that's a little bit of a problem. It's a little bit of a problem. But everything else can be controlled by the uh, by the touchscreen, and it works. I feel like I should keep it. That ain't gonna work for long. I think you it's gonna get a deteriorate new one. quickly. Really? Think so? I think so. But I th you know what? Let's see how long <laughs> it goes. Let's see how long it goes, Trace. I mean, that thing slid right on out of there. If you want it, right you want out of the pocket, like a grease pig, just boom, out of the pocket. Not, right at the bottom of one of the big loops. Not to get too personal, but are you a boxers or a briefs guy? Uh, briefs. Your briefs. Does anyone guy. do boxers? I don't know. I'm a, I'm a, I wear sliding shorts every day of my life. I wear, I wear compression shorts every day of my life. So Maybe that's the next question. Do you wear boxers or briefs? Put that in the chat. <laughs> but uh, So everyone always makes fun of my short shorts. When you're at Kings Island, just slip them right in your sliding shorts. It ain't going anywhere. That's, that's, the, that's the key move, Trace. That's the pro move for, for the Kings Islander. In you. Put yeah. them in your put them in your underwear. Just just slide it right in that underwear. When you get off, it'll be right there. One time when I got to the top of the Diamondback about ten years ago, I had a bunch of change in my pocket and I could feel it right as we were at the crest. I could feel it falling out. So I caught all the change. But then as I put my hands up when it went over the hill, all the change flew out of my hand. Oh, please tell me it didn't hit people. No, but when we got to the end of the ride, I was probably three or four from the back. The guy in the last row goes, Man, somebody's poor up there. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, man. You, Sorry, brother. Hopefully it didn't hit you. <laughs> you. You know what's funny about Kings Island is when when I was a kid, I think now they have, like, you need a chaperone there. I think they implemented they a new rule probably because kids like me. Yeah. They When you grow up close to Kings Island, you know, 20 minutes here in Hamilton, they'd get you a gold pass. And your parents, you, you get, like, four of your buddies together. And you're like, hey, if, you're, if your mom drops us off, my dad will pick us up. So our parents would literally take us out to Kings Island at 10 in the morning and be like, all right, we're going to pick you up at 8.30 tonight. And would just let us run around like just banshees, pun intended <laughs> for your phone, and just just acting like idiots. Probably ruining so many people's day in the process. It's probably why they had to, to make the new rule. But it's, it's a shame that kids can't, kids can't do that anymore. They need chaperones out there. I mean – I don't know how, how you are with your kids, Trace. They're, they're not old enough to be left on their own. But Cam's getting close enough to be if he's 13, 14, and him and his buddies yeah. drop him off. And, hey, here's 10 bucks, 20 bucks for some food today. And let them have fun. It's sad the kids can't do that anymore. Could be. Uh, breaking news. I just realized that one of my cards um, also is broken. That, that's impressive. All right. Let's talk about some sports. So the Reds, the Reds have uh, they've been they've been they've been bad. Let's be honest, right? They've been bad, and I know that obviously I do a show every single every single night uh, with with Nick Kirby. So there's some things that you probably already heard me say, and I'll try to keep things relatively fresh and new. But there was a there was this notion on Twitter uh, the other day, and it's the same group of people. You have you have the Republicans and the Democrats that are basically since I read Twitter. You have the prospect. Lovers and huggers, and you have the people that say that you know, who gives a rat's tail about any prospects? We should trade them all because we never win. And anytime you get close to a chance of making the playoffs, you should go all in. I, th I think the vast majority of Twitter is probably in the middle of those two things. Um, 
But I don't know. I'd like to think I'm right down the middle of it. Um, do I do I believe do I believe that you should hold on to every single prospect, no matter what? Of course not. But I also don't understand this logic of what the Reds were supposed to go and get at the deadline to make this better. Like, starting pitching was the main thing, right? Of course, if you want to play like hindsight 2020, you don't want to bring up Giolito. Uh, you would bring up now. We bring up Lorenzen. Of course, yeah. Let's go bring up. We, we'll bring up Lorenzen. We don't want to bring up the fact that Lorenzen left on bad terms, and he probably did not want to come back to Cincinnati under any circumstances. But let's just say he did. Hey, let's say he's a, he's a he's a guy that that believes in forgiveness, and he wanted to come back to Cincinnati. Okay. Well, the the, the skid and the Reds issue since the all-star break has not been starting pitching and that stinks because ultimately we would have liked to have thought to ourselves that we only had one flaw on this team and if we fix that one flaw the next thing you know we'd be a well-rounded solid baseball team that can take us to the greatest heights the truth is at this point I don't know if you guys uh believe this over there at the ham and Egger desk or not but at the end of the day I don't know how good this team really is and I don't know if anybody can tell you how good this team really is they got hot for two months, a month and a half. And I think during that time, of course, like anything else, you might get fooled into thinking that you're a little bit better than you really are. But the main thing that I want to discuss that no one seems to ever want to bring up about this team and their holes is injuries. If we're not going to talk about injuries and you could say, oh, that's an excuse. Well, excuse my tale. Because at the end of the day, if they were healthy, and that's a big if, I get it. This team's completely different. If they don't have Fraley, if they don't have Benson, if they don't have Lodolo, if they don't have Green, and they didn't have India for a short bit of time, then at the, end of, at the end of it, you have a team that is borderline good, borderline good with everyone healthy, to quickly average or below average if you have significant pieces that are gone. You add in Ellie De La Cruz, who is lightning in a bottle, right? Or he's a wet paper bag. I don't know which one he is on certain nights. And that's no fault to him. Let me be clear. I'm not an Ellie hater. I think Ellie could end up being one of the best players in this league, without question. He has every tool that one could possibly ever want to have. But the idea of, of relying on Ellie right now when you have no idea what the back of his baseball card looks like and you have no idea really how confident he is it seems unrealistic. And maybe that's what maybe that's what the X app is for. But I just cannot believe the amount of people that are screaming at the at, at the screen and pounding on their keyboard about how Nick Crawl did not go out and make a bunch of trades at the deadline, and that's why there's this big skid. That makes no sense to me. Am I being I guess enlighten me if if, if I should have a different viewpoint of that. Listen, I think it, it, it all comes – well, you're, you're talking about depth, right? I mean, you're, you're talking about guys get hurt. Every team has injuries throughout a year. I mean, it's a grueling season, 162 games, that if you don't have depth, it's not going to go well. You hope that your best players don't get hurt throughout the year because that's always going to be a shot. But someone in that starting lineup, multiple guys in the starting lineup, are going to miss weeks at a time, and that's what the Reds are dealing with right now. And – Listen, I think the Reds made the right call at the trade deadline by not moving. Right when they caught lightning in a bottle, 
when Ellie De La Cruz came up. They go on the 12-game win streak. They have the, a fantastic June and start giving so much hope for this city and this fan base. And the, the fan base should have that. And they should still have that to this day. I know the past two weeks have been pretty tough, but they should still have that hope considering they're only three games out of, of the division. But when you play that quickly... I thought, man, they need to get some pitching. They need to really take a shot at this. But as the month continues and as the season moved on, you're looking at this team. You said, what What are you going to bring into this team that's going to help this team be a true contender? You guys talk about that every single day on Chatterbox Reds. It wasn't one piece that makes this team a World Series contender. It's not one piece that makes this team very dangerous in the National League. It would have been multiple pieces away. So you stay the course. You keep developing this young talent, seeing what you have. And I think we all, if you're irrational – knew that this season was going to have ebbs and flows. It wasn't going to be an uphill ride from mid-June to the end of the season. Now they're on that downswing. We've had a couple of those downswings now. It just is what it is. You hope that it ticks back up at some point. You hope that these rookies start playing better at some point. But the thing that I've I've been off X.com now for, for a week now, and to see people constantly saying the season's over, what are we talking about, Trace? What do we it doesn't feel great right now. I know it doesn't feel great right now, but to say the season's over is ludicrous. You can't you can't look at the standings. You can't look at what the team did from mid-June to the middle of July to the end of July and think that that can't be replicated for the end of the season. Cuz it can. It absolutely can. This team has too much talent. It has too many positive vibes around not right now, but at times. Sure. Has this city so excited to think that the season's going to be over? It's just, it's just ludicrous. Depth is going to be the biggest thing going forward, the season, and the season's going forward, and they'll get that. They truly will. But, man, I can't get on X.com and, and, and see Reds fans complaining that the season's over, complaining, why didn't we get anybody at the trade deadline? Why didn't we do all these things? It's miserable. Yeah, and the one thing that I, that I get disappointed in at times with with, with – I like debate. You know what I'm saying? I, I do like. I, I don't say I love arguing, but I think arguing a lot of times makes you a, a much more well-rounded, thoughtful, intellectual person. It just does. If you're challenged on your own opinion and you have someone across the aisle that is just as knowledgeable about their subject matter as you are your subject matter, that's how you actually, in my opinion, progress through life. And I, you know... I know politics with the old capital politics in the chat, uh, but ultimately, like that's what's been lost within politics in a long, long time. And we're not going to get into that because that's not what we're doing on the show. But it just—it's just frustrating that we can't have reasonable discussion. And you have these people on Twitter that 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 they want to—they want to spew these opinions. But then you, when you say, "Hey, I have a platform that we could have a—we could have a discussion about this," and you know, we could have a reasonable discussion. I'm not going to call anyone names. I don't make things personal. I just. I just want to challenge you on the thought process that you have because the only reason that I even care about those thought processes is because ultimately, and maybe I shouldn't care. Like the more I think about it, what, what does it matter? But the more and more open dialogue and discussion that you have around a fan base about certain things, and if you have a decent sized voice, then it spews over and it starts to create a culture, in my opinion, that sucks. It creates a culture that sucks. And like New York in a little bit of a way, it sucks. And the reason New York sucks is because it's nothing but tabloids. It's nothing but people that complain all the time. Everything's always a problem in New York. The Mets could be like 15 games over 500. 
And sure enough, their fan base is telling you how bad they are, how they have the worst owner in the world. Hell, they're telling you right now Mets owners are telling or Mets fans are telling you they have the worst owner in the world. And he legitimately is just a super fan that went out and spent a bajillion dollars trying to make their team better, but they have a bad owner. Meanwhile, the peasants in Cincinnati are looking around hoping to try to get a guy like Lance Lynn at the deadline to see if we can't just spend a little bit extra money. I mean, at what point do you at least admit that perhaps Nick Crawl is doing a decent job? And you could at least give him a little bit of a little bit of a leeway in saying, if for whatever reason he didn't want to make a deal at the deadline, it might have just been, newsflash, it might have just been that they were asking for way too much. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it'd be nice to have these conversations with people that have decent-sized platforms that do nothing but sit here and tell everybody that the Reds are basically losers. They have a loser's mentality because they didn't go do something at the deadline. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm also not, to be very clear, you know this as well as I knew, if you've watched me long enough, I'm not going to be a stand just for the front office. I'm not just going to openly have a blind eye and say, okay, yeah, all right, didn't work this year. Two years from now, I promise you it'll work. I don't do that. I'm not going to do that. But you should at least be somewhat down the middle to say, okay, damn. The guy goes out and makes a trade. He trades Tyler Malley for CES, Spencer Steer, and by the way, they flipped the pitcher they got in that deal for Will Benson. Wow. Where would this team be without those three guys? Where would this team be if he didn't draft Andrew Abbott in the first round? Where would this team be if they didn't draft Matt McClain in the first round? These are all things that he did. They did. You can't let, you cannot let 15 years of agony of on somebody else's watch piss you off enough to where you change your perspective and you always sit there and you want to complain about the current person. Could you imagine... This is the worst analogy in the world, maybe. Hell yeah. But could you imagine looking for somebody that that perhaps, and I guess I, you know, I'll use like a dog. Maybe that's a bad analogy, but I don't want to use human because that would get too deep. But could you imagine a dog having owners before them that treated them poorly, and then all of a sudden they start getting treated nice a little bit? And the dog starts resenting its new owners because they're treating them nice because of the old owners that didn't treat them nice. That's not what dogs do. It's not what they do. They appreciate what somebody's done for them now. They don't worry about the past. Nick Crawl wasn't here 15 years ago doing stuff that you were pissed off about. And you know what? You have every right to be pissed about all of that. I'm not saying you shouldn't. And you have a right to be a fan just like I do. You can have your opinions just as well as I do. But if you have a platform, use it and be intelligent about it. All right. Paul? Yeah. You're doing power rankings today. I am. I'm working on them right now. Are you worried about this at all? Well, what I'm worried about, so I have my top 10 done. What I'm worried about is that I'm going to forget people. I'm going through the chat right now. I'm going through some old chats. I want to make sure I don't forget anybody that's been some OGs. I, I really, I'm nervous I'm going to forget somebody that maybe didn't check into the show today and is going to listen later and get me in the Discord. But I think I'm good. I got the top 10. I feel comfortable about the top 10. Uh, all but one of the top 10 I've seen here in the, uh, in the chat today. So I feel good about that. Nine of my 10 are in the chat today. So that's good. That's good. I feel good about where we're at. 
lot of, lot of good people in this chat. A lot of good people in this chat. And I guess I'm going to be, maybe, maybe now, maybe now I'm going to become one of these, one of these chatters. Maybe I'm going to be eligible to be, uh, be eligible to be on the list, I guess. I guess that's how that's going to work now. Hmm. It just depends mm. if Casey takes away your wrench. Yeah, right. that, I know. I know Casey said you, the wrench stays the forever. I, I think the wrench is, the wrench is, the wrench. The wrench is gone. The Casey. wrench, the wrench is probably going to have to go, yeah. but you may, maybe, maybe there's this chance to where, uh, you know, I don't know if this is doable or not doable, but maybe there's this, uh, you, if you can let us know, uh, what is today? Today's August 11th. Maybe yeah. it's like, maybe it's like, uh, Christmas. Maybe every, 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 every one time a year you get your wrench back. You can suspend, <laughs> you can suspend some people, put them in timeout. And then you Holiday season. <laughs> See ya. New year's resolutions, new year's, new chat. Welcome back. <laughs> Anyways, Casey, you holding together over there? Yeah, I'm good right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. All right. I think uh, oh, God. I think we have Elliot <laughs> dialing in. Oh yes. So let me let me let me let me paint this picture. If you if you didn't watch this show yesterday, uh, and or whenever the hell he said it, I, I seen it on Twitter and I just thought he doesn't believe that, does he? But he kept being serious about it. I can, you can kind of tell when bits are a bit and when bits are not a bit. And he's, he, Elliot was so serious about this for so long, I started to think he actually believes this. This man said yesterday that if he devoted his life for 10 years, 10 years in a row, no, no time off, all he did was play golf, he could win the Masters. That is the most lunatic, crazy thing I've ever heard anybody say and actually be somewhat serious about it. So we got to get to the bottom of this. Elliot, welcome into your own show. Uh, glad to see you can make it. Um, I, I also am a little worried about... Uh, these vacation days that are piling up around here. I probably should start keeping yeah. track of them. Elliot, uh, sounds like you're at a construction zone, but outside of that, do you actually believe for a single second that you can win the Masters? Yeah, I do. By the way, do I sound okay? I'm in the middle of nowhere. I got no Wi-Fi, so do I sound okay? Uh, you look great. Uh, you, sound, you sound about as good as you can sound. Okay, all right. So, yeah, I do believe I can win the Masters, and in 10 years' time, listen, I... I've watched Rory McIlroy compete on Sundays for all my life, and, you know, he's never done it, right? He's never just he, – there's days he just takes off, and Sunday is the day he takes off. Listen, if I have 10 years to compete, right, I'm shooting an 86, 87 now. This isn't a concern. This isn't a concern. I, I think I can do it in seven, if I'm going to be completely honest. I'm going to win the Masters in 10. Everybody can just calm down. This isn't a bit. I'm not, I'm not out here making bits like Reed. You look at Reed, and you look at the tuft of hair that guy has right now. He's gelled it up to perfection this morning. I saw that. So, no, I, I, I think if you give me 10 years' time, I'm going to bring my 86, my 86 score that I usually get. I'm going to bring it down to a 68, and I'm going to go win a Masters. I'm not shooting minus 27. I'm shooting minus 3 on, on, a rainy, on a rainy Masters tournament. That's how I win this. Do you realize that wherever, wherever you were, where, where do you play? What, what's your home course? Uh, my home course is uh, uh, it's a Newman. I play Newman the most. So it's a CRC course. All right, Newman. Yeah. What's the par at Newman? 72? 70? Yeah, 72. Yeah, 72. 72. 72. Do you realize right now that you could probably take a, a, an aspiring Corn Ferry Tour type, type player that's looking to try to make the PGA Tour? By the way, 10 years, don't worry about 10 years. The kids, whoever it is, probably been playing golf since they were five. <clears throat> Do you realize they could probably go out to that, that, uh, that course right now and shoot probably like a – 60. 
Yeah, but here's, here's the thing you're not getting, Trace, is they can't get any better. I'm going to get a whole lot better, right? They're already as good as they're going to get. I have 10 years to be the best I can be. I'm not, I'm, I haven't even hit my prime yet. Once I hit 33, I'm going to be out here in the best shape of my life winning a Masters. That guy is going to be with zero tournament wins. He's going to be shooting 72s, sure, but with zero, he's a loser. I mean, that guy's a loser. The, the guy you just described is a loser. He's going to grow up and he's going to be a loser. Do you think that, you could, do you think that you're even like the best golfer in the office? Trace, I, <laughs> Trace, I, I had this debate with you yesterday, and I guess we can announce it kind of here. Trace thinks he can beat me in golf. I don't think Trace comes within three shots of me. I don't think there's a scenario where Trace beats me in this sport. I'm better than Trace I, I, infinitely right now. Infinitely. Infinitely. I, Trace, I would beat you in a golf match so hard, so fast. It would be over by the 15th hole. It would All be right, over. We'll, l l listen, we'll, we'll put, let's do this then. All right, let's do this. I don't want to. Phil Mickelson scandals out in full bloom. I don't want to turn this into a. Uh, we have a gambling problem here at Chatterbox Sports. Yeah. I'll let you. I'll let the chat figure out what they think that the wager should be. It's it's really okay. not even about the wager for me. We'll set this up and we'll actually do it. We're gonna follow through on this one. Nine holes. I'll pick my home course. You pick your home course. We pick the nine that we're playing. We'll film it, we'll, we'll edit it out, we'll cut it up, and we're going to have to edit it out and cut it up like that, you know, that night because ultimately people aren't going to want to, they're not going to want to wait a week to hear the results. And in fact, I don't believe, I don't believe for a second this office has it in them without, without one person showing their hand and whether or not they won or lost. Because I'm pretty sure that if you win, Elliot, you don't have enough class and dignity and respect to be able to sit over there and not smirk the whole entire time if you actually win this golf tournament. So people are going to know whether you won or lost. Otherwise, you'll be sitting over there like a wet paper bag, crying, <laughs> crying. Wouldn't be the first time you cried in that chair, Elliot, and it won't oh, be the last probably. No. Here's the thing, Elliot. I'm, I'm willing to go wherever you want to go. If you want to play at Newman, you can play at Newman. I'm gonna, I'll play at Potter's. You can get a caddy. I'll get a caddy. And you right. said yesterday that I don't play cart golf. Is that what you said? You think you have an advantage because I, 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 don't, I don't walk? Yeah, the, yeah, the issue is I think you're comfortable in your comfy little cozy cart, and I think you're going to drive around to your ball, but you're gonna, you're gonna, that's going to be taken away. I'm taking away your cart. No cart for Trace. We're going to walk the course like real golfers do. And this isn't about respect. This isn't about love. This isn't about humility. This is about wins and losses, and I'm here to win, Trace. I don't know what you're talking about, guy. I, listen, I, I, I try my best out there on the show. I, did, I, did I cry once on the show for Paul? Yeah. Is he going to quit today? I don't know what time he should. Did he show up at 970 or 9.52 today? What time did Paul? I mean, he's 47. He's he's yeah, 9.47. He's completely thrown it in. The towel has been thrown. It was thrown in yesterday. Paul is dead. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I, I cared about Paul. I cried on the chair. What do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? I cry. I'm a crier. We and can move past you, that. And when I, when, I, when I beat you, I'm going to make you cry because that's what you're going to do. You're going to feel really sad, and you're going to have the power over me because you can fire me. That's going to be real embarrassing if I beat no, you no. twice and then you just fire me. No, I mean, listen, I told you, you can make the stakes whatever you want to make them. If you think that you deserve, like, a, a longer contract here at Chatterbox because you beat me in golf, then you can go ahead and do that. I'm not worried about it one iota. I really, I really, when I tell okay. you that I'm, I, I am not concerned about winning or losing against you, I'm certainly not concerned about losing. So I want it to be relatively decent content. I feel like if you're gonna if we're gonna walk the course, then I think that it turns into a whole bit, and we have to find a caddy. If you want to make it a real deal, Holyfield, let's make it a real deal, Holyfield. Nine That's holes. That's what we're gonna do. Nine That's holes. Do. 
Nine holes. Uh, last question I have for you. Simple as this. So that way, okay. everyone, everyone in the chat and everyone online has heard this live. There's no, there's no second guessing. There's no like, oh, we said this and we did that. None of that. We're, we're getting this out of the way right now. It's nine holes on yeah. my course, nine holes on your course. If we both, if we have a rubber match, the chat picks where we have to go. As long as it's not a country club, because we're not that big of a deal around here, we can't go to country clubs That's unless true. they can get unless they can get us on and they're okay with us That's filming true. and doing all those things. But besides that, the chat will pick where we go uh, uh, for the rubber match. But the good news is we don't have to do that because we're going to play two rounds, and you, you, you know, you're not going to have a chance. But point is, Potter's Potter's Park, and where's the, where's yours going to be? Newman. My, I'm going to pick Newman. Newman Golf okay. Course, West Side. Of, so you're going to have to leave Hamilton. I know you don't like leaving Hamilton, but you're going to have to right. leave Hamilton, leave your comfort zone, and you're going to yep. have to come over to the West Side of Cincinnati and see how a real golfer plays. Okay, fair enough. Uh, that's fine. Nine holes, right. match play, match play, or stroke play? That's the last question I have. I'm gonna, I think it's going to be match play. Because if you – no, 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 sorry, stroke play. It's going to be stroke play. You don't even I'm know what get you in want. Your head, I'm, no, I do know what I want. I'm going to be stroke play. I misspoke. Do you ever misspeak? My God. No. I mean, okay, all right. This is a professional program. We don't misspeak on the show, I guess. All right. So here's what's going to happen. It's going to be stroke play because I'm going to get in your head. You're going to have a blow-up hole. You're going to shoot a 15 on a hole, and that's just going to take you out right there. Okay. Well, we'll do it. Right. When, when, when do you get back from vacation? I mean, I, I'm out here just picking up extra shifts, shows, and all those things. You guys are all yeah, just on your own merry way. Reed's on his ship. I, Paul's quitting. You're out here. It looks like you're enjoying your nice day on the lake. Casey, no, uh, Casey's is, the only bastard that seems to want to show up anymore and work. What, what, are, you, what, are, you, what are you doing? This is, listen, this is the Hamilton River behind me. I, I don't know what That's you're talking about. That's a lie. About. I'm still there. I, yeah, no. Paul left a very he, – he left, he left a, a, a trail to follow, and – and that trail being, he takes a lot of vacation days during the middle of the week. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow Paul. He was a leader of men. Uh, and then after a couple of days and I make everybody cry, I'll quit. So that's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. We'll just, we'll just make everybody cry on the show and then we'll all quit. And then nothing okay. will be left. That's the rubble Paul left behind. I'm ready to play Trace. This will be a fun event. I'm going to win easy, easily. Reed's over there sitting quiet. Reed, how are you doing over there? Hey, buddy. How's it going? I miss you. See, I don't... I'm not going to be able to look at Reed in the eyes anymore because Reed took me to Chicago and set me up for slaughter. He took me out to the bleachers, and I, I'm never going to be able to watch baseball again. He ruined my team. So Elliot, I don't I, – I don't, go ahead. You said that I ruined your team. If you recall, yeah. after the Reds won the first game of that series, you, sent, you tweeted, zeded, out a video of you laughing at the Chicago Cubs and the poverty franchise that they are. Since you sent that video to us in text, since you put that, that zed out, the Reds are 1-8. I'm not a believer in jinxes, but it seems like you might have jinxed the Reds by laughing at the opponent. Because wow. they've won one game in, in, in a week and a half time since that video has been out. Yeah, I mean, one could, one could certainly con conclude that. Uh, I, I, would, I would argue that my, my faithfulness in this Reds, my, my, my faithful ability to stay with them, I, I think it's going to keep this team alive. So I'm going to keep laughing at the Cubs. The Cubs are losers. They killed Steve Bartman. And, you know, that's what's going to happen. The Cubs are losers. They're not going to win this division. If anybody wins it, it's going to be the Brewers. Um, so, yeah, Reed, Reed, if I'm going to cry, Reed's going to – I'm going to drag Reed down right with me if the Reds did don't you, win this. Did you enjoy your time in the bleachers? Because the, you looked at me square in the eye and said, this game's over. It's over when it was 3 nothing. And it, 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 just, it just, it just that wasn't. Was a mistake. It, it really, it really just wasn't. And then you had a fun four days in, in Chicago. We took the train up to the game. We took it back. Yep. It was, it was all good. It was a lot of fun, Elliot. It was, I, I had a blast in the bleachers with you. That's why we're best friends. We always will be best friends. Um, I can't wait to do it again.
I, I truly can't. Can't wait to see you again. Yeah, nice to you. No, no, answer, to answer your question, no, I didn't have fun. Is that, was that your question? Because I, it was I didn't my, have fun. It was my question. Yeah. Well, all right. Okay. That's on so, me. Yeah, that's on me. That's, that, that's not on you. It's not on the Reds. It's not on anybody. It's on me because we're best friends. I'm supposed to show you a good time. And I didn't do that. So I apologize, Elliot. If, if you give me another chance, we can go to another Reds-Cubs game. I don't think it's going to end 16-3, to but based off what I've seen from the Reds recently, it very oh. well might. Um, and maybe you'll have a bad time. We'll just keep running it back. We'll just keep running it back till you have a good time. <laughs> Sounds good, Reed. Thank you. Elliot, Elliot when, are you, when are you back in the office, Elliot? I, I will be in there Monday, Trace. So I took, I took Saturday and Sunday off. Most people would say that would be a day to take off. All right. <laughs> we'll let it slide. We'll figure out this whole match. <clears throat> We're going to do it. Okay. I hope I don't embarrass you, but we'll do it. But I hope you – listen, right. I do, I, I do, I, if I said anything sincerely on the show, I do mean this. Please be safe down there. I, I'll try to be. I'll try to be very safe. Uh, uh, Reed, Casey, Trace, I love you very much. Paul, yeah, you quit. You quit. I mean, you're a quitter. <laughs> so your parents raised a quitter, but that's okay. I mean, I, everybody tries their best. Not everybody can be perfect, and unfortunately for you, you quit. So Paul, I love you, but you know you quit. So have a good show, guys. I'll I'll go in the Hamilton River now. All right. Thanks, Elliot. Where's he? Where's he at? Lake, like, Lake, Lake Norris. Norris. Lake Norris. Hopefully, he went to the Bucky's on his way down there. I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. Jonathan Indy is back. We didn't get a chance to tell Elliot that uh, Jonathan Indy is back. I think he already knows that. I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't want to hear about how Jonathan Indy is the leader of this team. <laughs> I just didn't want to do it. Is I had to save myself from that. I, I almost even thought, hey, Jonathan Indy is back. And then I was going to be a whole five-minute rant about Jonathan Indy, and I just saved everybody in the chat that. It is, it is funny that we talked about Jonathan India being the, the moral leader of this team oh, and the leader of this team and how it's his team and everything like that. And he goes away, and the, the Reds go to shambles without him out. I don't know how much validity that puts to that statement, but it is incredibly coincidental that that happened at the same time that Jonathan India missed two weeks. Yeah, it's not good for the it's not good for the crowd that I'm in, which is that that I think that all of that is very very overblown and hyped up and doesn't mean much. But hey, I mean, listen, I I'm a, I'm a person that can change their belief system based off of a series of events that's right in front of my face. And if if, if Jonathan Indy comes back and the Reds rattle off I don't know eight nine ten in a row or something like that, I'll just shut up about it forever. I'll shut up about it forever. I'll never say that Jonathan Indy isn't a, isn't a leader that you can't trade. Can't do it. That's what's so tough about saying that that phrase, right? He's a leader in the clubhouse. Because you played sports. I played sports. We all played sports in this thing. That there, there is validity to someone leading a team. I agree with that. You just can't put value to it because you don't know how to value it. Yeah. You can't put too much value to it. You can't put too little value. It is tangible thing. It is something that, that very much helps a team. But you just have no idea how to actually value it yeah well i it, we'll see um we'll see how it all goes but the reds are still in it the season's not over i hate to break that to many people that that, that want to like i said before they just want to they want to scream and yell and yell at clouds there's a meme about that you can look it up but um yeah, the season's not over we'll see what happens pittsburgh tonight hopefully we we, we own we own one um other news there there's been a lot of decent uh what i would say decent um sports talk type subjects i know many of you and i didn't get a chance to see many of these shows this week so i don't want to regurgitate things that you've already discussed um how much did you get into phil mickelson at all did you get into him at all uh we talked about it a little bit yesterday we didn't get into a ton of it because the story broke i didn't get a chance to read it before we went on the show so i didn't want to talk about something i didn't know everything about yeah so phil mickelson um they're, they're basically um 
what would be what would be the right word? I don't want to call them a friend because they're probably not friends anymore. But at the time, I'm sure that that would be the the frame of reference that you would like to use. Is that he had a friend that just wrote a book, uh, and inside this book, it referenced the idea that Phil Mickelson wanted to gamble or put money on Team USA. To be very clear, this is very Pete Rose esque. He wanted to put four hundred thousand dollars on the United States of America uh, to win the Ryder Cup with going into Sunday singles. Fortunately for him, uh, this was the miracle at Madonna, uh, Medina, sorry, and the USA did not win. <laughs> In fact, Phil Mickelson lost. I think he lost one up to Justin Rose, so that would have even been salt on the wound if he actually did place this wager. Mm -hmm. But the moral of the story is that he wanted to wager on a match that he was involved in, and his buddy at the time told him that he was not going to do that. They were not going to do that because that could ruin his legacy. Now, how much of this is true or not true? There's no proof. Some of it, 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 it's always like when someone writes a book, you wonder if there's a little bit of some kind of maybe false story telling to it. Phil also has admitted, you know, I think that there's this also portion of this where is this, a, I guess the question of the day is, is this a big deal? I don't know if it is. It's like Phil has admitted that he was addicted to gambling. And certainly with legalized gambling now, there is going to be more and more, and you've already seen it, there's going to be more and more situations where sports and athletes in general gamble on something that toes the line of whether or not it should be allowed or not allowed. Part of me, and this is maybe, uh, this is, I get why you say that there's no way in hell that you should be able to do this because it's hard to regulate. Part of me thinks, and I'm open to hearing thoughts around the room, Part of me thinks that it should be okay to gamble on a sporting event that you are a part of if it's in favor of you winning the competition. Which is a little out there, I know. But it's like if Phil wanted to wager $400,000 on himself to win that match, is there a really, a, I guess, is there a difference? I know why you can't do it, okay? I get that. I'm not here to argue that. I, I get it. You're, that's never going to be the case. But I guess just if you peel back the onion and you ask yourself, what is the real problem in that? Is there a real problem in that? No, like that, that's, that's what everyone always talks about with Pete Rose, right? Like he was betting on his own team to win and stuff like that. Because if, if, you, if you get down in the weeds of it, yeah, it's just putting extra confidence, putting extra stuff on the line for you to win. But it's just, I, I, I just, not not to Nancy Reagan it, but like if, if you're a professional athlete, just don't just say no to gambling, right? Just don't do it because the snowball's argument is it, it could just lead you down this path of, of, of doing this wrong thing. And next thing you know, you're, you're ruining the integrity of the sport. From the hindsight, betting just putting extra confidence and putting your own money that your team wins. No, there's in theory, nothing wrong with it. Yeah. I think but, but you just can't, you just like, you just can't, if you're a professional athlete, you just can't. It would you be better can't. in an individual sport than it would be in a team sport. Like I'd much rather find out that a tennis player bet on himself to win in a tennis. In, you know, I'd rather find out that Novak Djokovic bet on himself to win Wimbledon or Phil to bet on himself to win the Masters or whatever than it would be for, you know, Jonathan India to bet on the Reds' money line today. Like, I don't know why, but I think as a team sport, it would be it, it would be better to, for me to swallow that on it. I don't – I'm kind of with Reed. Like, I, I, I think it's a slippery slope. I don't think so. But 
at least if you're going to do it, you control your own destiny instead of the others around you. Because, like, if you're doing a team sport, you're also kind of messing with other people's livelihoods, too. Like, it, I don't know how much, but if you're the second baseman of a team and you're betting on your team to win, then you're, you're bringing other people into it in that gray area. Whereas if, at least if you're just doing it as a golfer, it's different. I still don't think you should do it, but you're only affecting you. You're not affecting other people. But I, I still don't think that. It just, it just, it, it just feels like we have this sliver of integrity when it comes to sports and it's, and it's getting smaller and smaller as gambling becomes more and more prevalent. To where we, we, you get older, gambling's legal now. Conversations you have about sports aren't so much who's going to win anymore. It's about who's going to cover. Who's, who's gonna, who, what futures do you got to win the championship? How do you have money tied up in it? Which, it, it, it takes out the bit of fan that you have at times. It takes out just that thin layer of integrity goes away and dwindles every time that we talk about gambling. So... Just the one thing that I that, that I ask as a sports fan is that we we never that we always are very hard on athletes that get caught gambling. I never I never want to take that easy. I think the punishments could even get harsher just to set the precedent that this is not okay and never will be okay. Because though though it makes sense that Phil Mickelson's betting on his team to win. Though it makes sense for a tennis player betting on his match to win. Though it makes sense that there's there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a slippery slope. The integrity of the sport should not be wrapped up in gambling. I I, I fully agree with that. I just more or less was saying, like, if you peel it back and you ask yourself what the real problem with that is, is I don't know if there's a real issue I, don't, I just don't see a real issue with it outside of the idea that we are humans and there is psychological warfare that goes on that it's outside of the boundary of just betting on it in and of itself. And I think what Paul was trying to get into, or, which is a good point, which is if it's, if it's a team sport and you have someone on the team that has, has just as much of an impact on the outcome of the game as you have, you're really gambling on everyone around you. And that sounds great in theory because, you know, they're your teammates and you think that they're, they're obviously, they're trying to win just as much as you are and you believe in them. But that's all great until you have a Bill Buckner type situation and next thing you know, a guy blows a game and he obviously or she doesn't meanfully blow the game. But then it turns into this personal vendetta that you, without question, might have against somebody because they blew the game and they also, not only did they lose the game for you, but then they also lost... An, you know, an abundant amount of money that you plan to win because they didn't perform well. If it's just you, if it's just you, you're a tennis player and it's just you, that's a whole nother thing. You have no one else to blame but yourself. Um, speaking of tennis, I have not been down to the, uh, the Western and Southern. It's this weekend, right? It's I, awesome. It's this, I, yeah, it starts Saturday. So it does start but, Saturday. Well, so the, the weekend is wild card weekend. So Saturday, this Saturday and Sunday are. It's not the full tournament. The first round of the actual tournament. I'm going Monday. Uh, it, it'll be Monday to next Sunday. The final is the next Sunday. And this is Novak's first tournament on U.S. soil since COVID, because of the whole vaccine issue and everything like that with him. Uh, yeah. So th this is a huge deal. Every player in the top 40 on both sides uh, is in this tournament. This is a, a huge, huge tournament. It's also a massive deal for uh, the the longevity of this tournament in Cincinnati 
as far as you know whether they want to move the tournament or keep it here. So th this this Western and Southern this year, if you can make it out to it, it's going to be a really really big deal. It's, it's going to be fun. What are ticket prices? What does that even look like? Do you have an idea? That I don't know. Big League Paul doesn't have to worry about ticket prices. I, I got yeah. Yeah, I gotta be honest. My best friend's the director of ticketing, so I don't. I don't know what. I don't. I don't know what ticket prices are. <laughs> I don't know what ticket prices are. <laughs> I'll be honest, fellas. Sorry, I got an email last night at eleven o'clock with two tickets. I don't know. I don't know. There's two sessions a day. There's a morning session and a night session. I don't know. I was allowed two tickets, and I redeemed them for a Monday, Monday night session, so I'll be there. I don't really know how it works, though, because I've never gone as a fan. I've always worked it uh, when I've been before, so I've never – this will be my first time as a fan. So we'll see. All right. I'm assuming they're – are they on, like, uh, the Ticketmasters of the world? Are they, yeah. like, stub yeah, hubs like of the world? How, how big, dig how dig big it up. Is, dig it up. Tell me how much they are. How big is the, like, the venue? Because I, I honestly never know when the Western and Southern is. The only reason I knew it was this weekend was because I got to CVG last night, coming flying home, and they have, welcome to the Western and Southern home. I was like, oh, the tennis tournament's this week. Okay. Yeah. But I'll look it, it up is, right It's $35. Oh. So, you, so it's, 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 uh, it's a general admission. Like you, get, you, you can buy a ticket to center court, but then you kind of just get on the ground. So there's, there's center court, there's the grandstand, there's the outside courts. So if you buy a ticket to center court, though, you can kind of walk around and, and yes. see everything. So, yeah, 35 bucks. I mean, it's, it's not great. I don't know what the final would be. But, yeah, like the Monday night session that I'm going to is on Ticketmaster right now, Section 329, which is at the top. But, I mean, I'm sure you might be able to move down. 35 bucks. Is the Joker the greatest tennis player ever? I mean, he has to be, right? I, well, the, the better question is, is in the, in the pantheon of, of tennis players – like, and I, this is me not knowing much about tennis. Are three of the top, say, six tennis players of all time all competing against each other? They're for, and, and, yeah. and Nadal, Nadal, Federer, and, and Joe. Like, I, I genuinely don't know. Like, because if you look up Grand Slam championships, they're all in the top, I believe, all in the top five. Well, of, and Alcaraz, too, the, the 20 year old, the Spanish kid that just won Wimbledon. Right. Like, and it, he's going to be great. It's. It's incredible. It, it really is incredible that a sport that I don't ever watch had three of the greatest to ever do it all at the same time competing against one another. Yeah, that's, I, I almost want to go just because I'd like to see, uh, unbeknownst to Elliot, when you go and you watch professional athletes do their craft in person, you, you gain an appreciation for how good they really are quickly. It doesn't take long. When you go, when you go to, uh, you know, I, I went to the Memorial one year. Right, and you watch. It doesn't even need to be one of the marquee guys. It could be any guy, anyone on the PGA Tour. You go and you watch them play just two holes of golf. Walk, walk two holes of golf with with. I don't even care who it is. You quickly realize it's a whole other level. You you see it on TV. You don't really realize how good they really are, how well they can shape their shots, how great they can get out of the sand. All of those things. It's unbelievable how good they are. I want to do that for tennis for myself. Like, I, I don't love tennis. I will op openly admit the only chance you have to get me of watching tennis is if it's somehow I'm eating breakfast and Wimbledon's on and the championship match is just on one of the main channels and I accidentally stumble upon it and then I just find myself for two hours sitting there watching tennis. 
I didn't really get into the Serena Williams of the world. I didn't follow that. I didn't really uh, get excited about much of that. I can appreciate the sport. I, I think that if I went, I would just get a little bit of a, another appreciation for how good they are. And that's really the only reason I'm interested in going. Well, I mean, not to get like too nerdy about it, but this is a Masters 1000 event for tennis, which means outside of the four majors, there's five Masters 1000 events, which are the biggest events in the world. So you would say that, that this Western and Southern is one of the nine biggest tennis tournaments in the world. Uh, and it, it's, it's the warm-up for the U.S. Open. There's a reason that all the best players in the world always come here and play here. And it's great. The access to the players is really cool. I mean, the, the practice course, these guys are, are hitting right next to all the fans. It's very, uh, it's very accessible. I think that's the best part of it. And I think that's why tennis fans around here love it so much is because you have all of the best players in the world and they're, they're, they're walking around, they're mingling around, they're, they're on the practice courts where you can walk right up next to them and just watch them hit. It's cool. I'm not like a huge tennis guy, but going there and doing that, it's a cool experience. I'd highly recommend. To, to answer my question about who has won the most Grand Slams, the three most Grand Slams are, are the three that we've talked about. Joker has 23, Nadal has 22, Federer has 20. The next closest is Pete Sampras with 14. So the three greatest tennis players of all time competed against each other. And not only that, but they have won titles against one another. So any title for the past 15 years have just been these three guys. Yeah, it is, it is remarkable. The other thing that's actually kind of neat, and I see, it in, I see it in the chat, the Memorial and the Western and Southern Open golf tennis, two different sports, I know. They're basically the same type of tournament, though. They have the best... They have the best of the best that are going to this event. One, because it's a designated event. Now, the Memorial is a designated event in uh, the PGA Tour. It's one of the it's one of the few or the handful that are actually, you know, have has a bigger purse. And then now you have, and also, by the way, the Memorial is a great warm-up for the U.S. Open, right? It's, it's like two weeks. There's a week break between the Memorial and the U.S. Open. And there's, I don't know how much of a break there is between the Western and Southern and the U.S. Open for tennis, but I do know that it's played on the same type of surface, and it's 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 far enough apart where it's one week. So there you go, one week. So it's a good it's a good. Steve even mentioned in the chat, it's a it's a it's a great tune-up for the U.S. Open. So you have the best of the best right in the backyard, and I almost feel like I am. Um, what's the word to use here? I guess naive to how lucky I could be just to be able to go right down the street and watch the best players in the world play tennis. When in reality, there's probably a ton of tennis fans that live random parts of the United States that have to travel miles and miles to even get a chance to see them. So I want to, I, this year, I'm going to try to promise myself to go out there and watch a couple matches. Now what that looks like, I don't even know. I'd be, be lying if you, I knew. You do it by session. So there's two sessions every day. Uh, Monday's yep. the first actual day of the tournament. So they'll play a session for like five hours. The night session starts at seven. Gates will open at five. But I mean, there's food, there's music, there's fun. Like it's, a, it's an event. It's like, I, I don't know. It, tennis is also a weird spectator sport because you have to be quiet. Right. So you go and in, in between the points and like sometimes you'll hear like one person yell, but it's like golf. It's kind of intimidating the first time you go where you sit down. I remember the first time I went and you're sitting there and nobody talks. It's very silent. But outside on the grounds and you see people walking around, it, it's good. It's a really fun event. It's really fun. So if, if that's the case, then I guess the question would be, what guys are in, if it's sessions, what guys are playing? I mean, this is how naive I am. I, you said Joker's back because they, they haven't restricted him from COVID, which, yeah. by the way, I think that should go in the record. Like when, when, when it's all said and done, 
Joker should have something a part of his resume, and I'm assuming it will be. But some part of his resume should be, yes, he won all of these, but he also didn't play in the prime of his career in XYZ tournaments because of a COVID restriction that he wasn't willing to do. Yeah, so so all of the big names, I mean, Joker, uh, Alcaraz, who just won Wimbledon. Um, uh, Is Federer retired? Yeah, Federer did retire. Uh, Osaka's in it. Uh, I mean, everybody on the women's side, I'm, I'm, I'm just going down the list here. But the, the top 40, easiest way to say it is the top 40 on both sides are in this. This is, this is the, as good as you can possibly ask for. This is, quite honestly, the best field that, uh, that, that this tournament has had in a while. It's, it's, it's going to be fun. It'll be fun. Okay. Um, Everett asks, what tournaments did he miss? He just missed the U.S. Open. No, I think he missed the all. I think he missed... Uh... Australian? Australia, Australian is, a, is a major, correct? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, he missed the Australian for sure. Um, and I almost want to say he missed Wimbledon one year. He may have. I don't know. I feel like he missed three. All in the same year. I could be off on that. You can double check me. Um, get a fact checker in here fast for this show. Especially moving forward. All right. Um, we have a little bit of time left. I think let's do two things. One, we'll take some calls. You guys can call in, open up some suggestions on some things. If you want to talk about the Reds, by all means. If you want to challenge me on the whole trading the prospects things, I'm all for it. I'm open ears. I'd like to be challenged on things. If you want to discuss uh, perhaps the direction of what you would like to see this show be or could be, by all means, you can call in, offer us some suggestions. Can't promise you that they'll make it, but if you offer one that's, uh, that's good enough, and I say, yeah, we're going to run with it, We'll run with it. If you just want to call and talk about uh, Reed's short shorts and his swinger opportunity and he missed out on it, you can call in about that. So the one thing I want to talk about as people probably start calling in here is, and I'm sure you've discussed this, is this whole notion that college football is losing its luster. It's losing, it's losing the thing that made it great. It's, lo it. it's losing the thing. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, lo it's losing its... Uh, it's tradition. I understand that. I think that there is a little bit of truth in that. The only thing I would, that I would say to that is that you're going to forget all about it. You're not going to care. Remember when people told you that bowl games are super important? You shouldn't change the BCS because, you know, oh, if you go to a playoff, it just throws too many wrinkles in there, and it's just going to go against all of the things that we've... Listen, college football playoff is... is is now what everyone looks forward to. And it will continue to be what everyone looks forward to. And Reed has brought up, if he's brought up any good points, he's brought up one good point that has stuck with me a little bit. College football, at this point, should try and start making the best teams play the best. And they should also make it to where if, for whatever reason, we want to make this playoff be the only thing, then just make more playoffs. Just make more playoffs. So you have, right, you have the college football playoff. Why isn't there an NIT? The CBI. You've heard them all. There should, yeah, just, there yeah. should just be that. And if you can't make one of the top three tournaments, then maybe, maybe you just weren't good enough to play in the postseason at all, and that's how your season should end when you win six games. By the way, at what point did six games earn you this big, this big prize at the end of the year? You get to play a bowl game. You're, you're bowl eligible. You won six games. It's like... 
Six games? Is that really the marker that we're going to use, Paul, to say, hey, great season. You're rewarded. Well, I agree. I think it should be at least eight games, if not nine. I would. I, I say nine is what my cutoff would be for bowl season. But if you want to argue eight, that's fine. Everett makes a good point. The NIT is the GoDaddy Bowl. It, it, you're arguing for a tournament, though. Because yeah. The, yeah. So you're saying let's throw, in, instead of the New Year's Six, let's make the New Year's Six that didn't make the college football playoff into like an eighteen tournament. Correct. I'm in. Yes. I'm in. Play for something. Right. Yes. And, th and then I want and then I want like the smaller leagues to have each of their champions play against each other. The, what's what's the secondary yeah. the secondary five? Like have them play group for, of five. For, group of five. Yeah. Have the group of five play in an eighteen tournament with with three buys and and they play against each other. Those teams if if, if you have a group of five team that, that is well deserving enough to to get into the college football playoff, they can jump but yeah, the champions of each group of five league play against each other for whatever whatever the title you want to call it. That is true. You know, Alex brings up a point. He says obviously the bowl games make money, so they need to they need teams. I don't think that they do, Alex. I don't think they, they do. Don't. You know what I think it is? I genuinely believe this. You ever had you ever had someone that's super wealthy uh, that you know, or maybe you don't know, and you've just seen it happen right before your eyes, and they have this hair up their you know what kids show. They have this hair up their tail, and they think to themselves, I'm going to start this. And they go out, and they spend all this money, and they do this, and they have this business that's basically a hobby. And they can support it because they have a bunch of money because they have another business that actually makes all the money, and then they, they, they run this. That's what I think bowl games are. I think that there's corporations that want to have a bowl game, and they're like, you know what? We know it's probably not going to bring us enough money in. This, the, 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 the Mayo Bowl, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, the CEO could just be a huge college football fan. And he's like, you know what? We probably lose at the end of the day out of all this. We might lose fifty dollars to $100,000 all said and done on ROI when it comes to marketing and all these things. Yeah, they might spend $10 million to get the bowl, and they might get $9 million worth of ROI when it comes to marketing. But, but at the end of it, I don't believe for a semi-second that they're actually making money. I do think there's a chance where you have a large company or a company with people in said powerful positions that want to have certain things so they make them themselves. So I don't, I just don't buy into the concept that the only reason they do it is because there's a, there's a return of revenue there. They do it because it's, it's, it's an opportunity. It's a hobby. It's a country club opportunity for them. It's, it's, a, it's a chance to show off and say, hey, look what we do. It doesn't mean they're actually making money. Um, speaking of which, one thing I promise you, we've been talking about doing something for five years. And I'm going to say it out loud on air oh, so, no. we, so we, oh, no. it forces us to oh, do it. No. Oh, Are no. you ready for it? We're going to be forced to do it. And I think it would be great for our company. I think it'd be great for a lot of our fans. I think it'd be an opportunity for some of the people that advertise with us to get out in front of people to be able to promote products. We should do and need to do a golf outing. When that is, I don't know. But we need to do a golf outing because not only do we have the equipment to be able to make a golf outing one of a kind by live streaming certain holes, making contests for certain holes. Legitimately, I'm not saying it needs to be a master's tournament. I'm not saying it needs to be a master's tournament. It doesn't mean to be super serious. There should be music blaring all over the place. It should be fun. But we can make the best golf outing in Cincinnati. I don't know about the world, but I think we can make the best golf outing in Cincinnati. And we should do it. Do we have a caller? We do. We do. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Is that the right way to do this? What's up, Trey? Sir boy. How you doing? Hell yeah, sir boy. How are you, sir boy? What's on your mind, man? Oh, man, no, I was just going to get back into the college football since you were talking about it. 
Do right, you do think it. we ever get to a point where we're talking about where we have about 50 teams in each conference and there's just three conferences? I know we're t- I know we keep adding them. Big Ten's up to 18. SEC is probably going to add Florida State and Clemson at some point. I don't know what's going to happen to the rest of the ACC. What happens to Stanford? They're talking about going to the ACC. Cal Cal talking about going to the ACC. Where do you think we're heading to in five years? Well, it's already. I think I think it's safe to say at this point, college football is turning into. Uh, essentially a professional league um, in, in, in an amateur way, right? It's like they don't they, they, they can't openly come out and just say it right now. I feel like they're slowly starting to try to rip the Band-Aid off of it, sir boy, so they can't just come out and say, yeah, we don't really give a damn about traditions. We don't care about, we don't care about, um, we don't care about hardly anything. But the truth is, is that in my opinion, they're trying to make it as close to the minor leagues as they can. So we'll see. We'll see if they can. I don't know. And how, and how good do you think your Georgia Bulldogs are going to be this year? Because well, everyone be, is picking them to win it all again. Everyone. They're gonna. Yep. They're they're gonna be. They're gonna be pretty damn good, sir boy. They're gonna be pretty good. Uh, will they? Will they be as good as Ohio State? I don't know, but I'd venture to say they are. But you can bet on this: they're gonna be playing Ohio State in the semifinals, and there's gonna be a different result. <laughs> Oh, you think so? You guys oh, got a new? Did you? I, I, you know, sir, boy. The only thing that I would say about all of that is that I genuinely mean this, sir, boy. I think Ohio State has an elite, elite program. I think that Ohio State has been at the top of the food chain for quite some time. It is a shame that they've not gotten to the mountaintop more than they probably could have. They play in a league that allows them to go to the college football place playoffs almost every single year. Michigan's pretty much the only team in that league that can stop them from getting there every single year. Um, and Michigan has done that almost the last few years. But ultimately, I think Ryan Day is a good coach. I'd be shocked if Ryan Day doesn't win a national championship. I, I do I do genuinely mean that. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, as much as I hate that we've lost to our bitter rivals the last two years in a row, Ryan Day is a good coach. He's an absolutely right. outstanding coach. So, I mean, it is what it is. Hopefully they can beat him this year. But, man, it's I, I'm not advocating for this, but it wouldn't surprise me if we start hearing rumors about hot seat if he loses to Michigan for a third time in a row. That, there's, you no, gotta, you gotta be, there's no doubt about it being right, a hot seat. Sir, boy, we have another caller, I think. I, I appreciate All you right. jumping on here. You're the man, as always. You can call into this show whenever you want. All right, Travis. We'll see you soon, bud. All right. See you, sir, boy. All right, we got another caller? Yep, hang on. Hang on. I'm hanging on. There we go. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, it's Mr. Moe, and I'm calling from Hillsborough, Ohio. How you Hell doing? Hell yeah, Greg? Mr. Moe. I'm doing well. Mr. Moe, where do you come up with that name? Are you a Molar graduate? What? What's? Uh, where, where's Mr. Morgan. Moe? No, so my middle name is Morgan, the name that I go by. And when Beautiful. I was in college, everyone called me Moe. Okay, that's fair. Reed Mouse knew that. Does that make you special? He went to Bluffton. You went to Bluffton. Yeah. You're a beaver. Yeah. I am. I'm a beaver believer all day, every day. I love that. I love that. Hell yeah. yeah, Do they waterboard you guys when you first come up there the first week of Bluffton? Because the absolute passion that comes from Bluffton beavers. Now, I only know one. That's Reed Mouse. But the absolute passion that Reed Mouse has for his Bluffton beavers is pretty high. I don't know what happens up there in Bluffton. Does it leave that big of a mark on you? 
so we're not exactly allowed to say. Um, but okay. <laughs> what I can tell you is that that first week, it's, uh, it's interesting. All right. Fair enough. What do you got? What, 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 what is on your mind? What's the, what's the topic of conversation? So you guys have been talking about um, college football and like the, the playoffs and everything and how these conferences are going to end up being aligned. And one thing that a lot of people don't think about, I guess, is that the, the, one of the main players in this is Florida State. Okay. If they can get out of the ACC like they're trying to, that's going to cause basically the ACC to crumble because then Clemson's going to move, and then who's the ACC going to have? So if Florida State doesn't get out of their agreement, then we might be able to talk about, like, you know, the three big conferences like the ACC, Big Ten, and SEC, and then, I don't know, Big 12. What are they anymore, you know? Yeah, so, well, well, here's the thing. Here's the question of the day. How much do you value the, the, the schools in which don't have – the financial resources and have not, and I don't want to say they haven't made a commitment to football because I, I think almost every school that has an athletic program has made a commitment to football. Now, how much of a commitment that is, you know, versus one school to the next is probably a big difference. I would venture to say that Vanderbilt's commitment to football is a lot different than Alabama's commitment to football, and that's largely because of the fan base that they have and the amount of people that are interested in said product. The only thing that I would that I would say with this whole situation is. You know, we live in a country where there's a lot of discussion on how what's the best way of go, going about trying to support uh, support everybody from a financial and, and economic impact. And the truth is, is that we have a lot of programs that are relying on and utilizing and requiring people within said conference to support their athletic programs. I would venture to say, and I'm not trying to throw any any one school under the bus. But if I would venture to say that Boston College or Wake Forest is basically relying on the Clemsons of the world, the Miamis of the world, although they've not been good in a while, and Florida State's of the world, to be good at football and to be good enough at football to be able to go and get these, these big-time, basically, TV deals, because if they didn't, then their programs would suffer because they're not getting the rev shares. The question is, is that, is that important? Do we care about that? Because if we don't, then the next thing, Big Mo, would be this. The next thing would just be, let's get all the teams that really do care about football, and I say care as in like they are actually, you know, have a very good product, and put them all within the same leagues. And then we as a fan base, and I say fans as in college football, get to see more meaningful games. I think most fans would agree, and I'll be interested in what you say. Most fans would agree that they don't want to have to, they don't have to, they don't want to have to watch Ohio State play Kent State. Uh, or and then back that up and play Indiana and then back that up and play Rutgers. That's just not, in general terms, fun. Right, and I actually agree. I think that um, I think that what they should do is kind of form, kind of like they have in soccer where they do relegations, where if you like, have the three big conferences or the four big conferences, however they're going to do it after this alignment, you have those conferences, they all play each other, you know, you create the best schedule you can to bring the best games in, even though for my health, that's not exactly safe, but whatever. Who cares about my health? <laughs> um, and then, depending on how each team does, you can do like they do in soccer. You do relegations. You can bring a team from the group of five. If they perform well, you bring them up to the, to the big boys, see how they fare, and then you can kind of rinse and recycle. And then that way, what falling 
and I think it was was Elliot that was saying no, not everybody has a chance. Well, at least that way everybody will have a chance. That if you are a program like Ohio, uh, UC that performs well in the Group of Five, you can come up to the to the big big show and see how you do, and then you can rinse and recycle. I agree. I think that that would be fun. I don't think we'll ever get to that point. Me and Reed, Reed Reed's brought that up the first time, but I think me and Reed are on the uh, the relegation idea. I think that would be fun. It would be entertaining. I think it gives us, let's be honest, TV is the thing that drives all of this, and TV in and of itself has a better product when there's more and more games on it that actually decide, you know, relative outcomes or they, they're, they're entertaining, a la the NFL, and that's why the NFL is what it is. Mr. Mo, thank you for calling, man. I think we have another caller on the line, but I appreciate you uh, you jumping in here and providing uh, some insight. So we have another guy. Reed, we have another guy on our relegation team. Yeah, really That good. makes three. And he's a Bluffton Beaver. And and for for what it's worth, you say, what do they give give us up there to yeah. make us so, – I mean, Besides student debt, what else? A lot of student debt. But practically, you just <laughs> got to think about who you're talking about here. I have a lot of love for Hamilton, have a lot of love for – for Bluffton, I'm just I'm just a loyal guy, so right. I, I do it. So it's just me. I don't think a lot of people <laughs> love old BU up there, right. besides myself. All right, fair, fair enough. All right, we have another caller, Casey. Uh, yeah, hang on, hang on. I just for before we get to this caller, when you're talking What's about that? college football, I the the simplest take that I have about college football is I want the best teams in the country to play more than three games that they could possibly lose. They could really only lose like three games. All right, that's fair. All right, you got another caller. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? DJ. What's up, man? What kind of question do you have? What, what, what topic are we are we diving into? I want to talk about the college football, college basketball realignment thing. My thing is, is when college football, college sports is always going to change. Everybody cried about the NIL. That's obviously bigger than that. Everybody cried about. Bringing a playoff. We got the playoff. My biggest thing is I keep seeing people talking about, well, why don't we do regions? So you have a Midwest conference. That's never going to happen because, like, look at Ohio State. They're not going to let Notre Dame or East in the Big Ten because that's a TV money. The reason why all of these Western schools are going into the Big Ten, Big 12, ACC, is because the ACC wants to tap into that Western market. So until they just decide, hey, you know, we're going to have three conferences, it's going to keep evolving, and Stanford's going to go to the ACC. It's never going to change. Every five years, we're going to do a reset to where all these teams are going to end up just switching conferences back and forth. It's never going to stop. No, I, I don't. I don't think. It, listen, money drives every everything that happens within our society, and I mean, legitimately, every single thing that happens within our society is driven based off of money because money is the thing that we all value for hard work and our and, and or productivity. I guess maybe not hard work. Some people don't have to work too too entirely hard to earn money, and some people work really really hard and don't earn a ton of money. So that's not really probably the right term to use. But here's the thing with the whole TV deal. The question is, is like, at what point does it, does it, at what point is it, is enough money being circulated within the hands of an institution that is trying to portray itself as amateur athletics when it's just not amateur athletics anymore? They've given in a little bit to your point of having NIL as a way of trying to make the things that were going on illegally legal. Because it was a little bit of the wild, wild west, in my opinion. They can say that it wasn't, but in my opinion, there's no doubt in my mind for years upon years upon years that players were getting paid 
and there was loopholes and there was finding, there was backdoor deals that were being made to try to get student athletes to go to specific schools, whether that be by shoe dealerships or whether that be just be strictly by the, the school's booster program. They're, they were doing that long, long ago. So it all comes down and comes back to money and what that looks like and what's fair and equitable and what's reasonable. The reason, and I, I know I'm jumping all over the place here for a minute, but the reason that steroids aren't, aren't able to be taken by professional athletes in most athletic programs is not because it didn't make the product better, because it did. You could argue that, that Major League Baseball was better off when guys were taking steroids, but the reason for it is because from a moral standpoint, you can't require people to have to do that in order to keep up because it's a deterioration of their health. And then you have a whole nother moral question. The, the, that's where this all is going to find itself. And it'd be interesting to see how it goes. College football is in a position now where they're trying to portray one thing when they know the reality is, is a whole nother thing. And they've, they've, they've started to muddy the water a little bit with NIL, but I'm just waiting for the day that they just say, Hey, we're making so much money now that we have no option but to just tell everybody we have to make this minor league football because that's ultimately what they're trying to do in a little bit of a way there to your point, And I'll let you kind of expand upon your discussion or if you want to add to what I'm trying to say, the reason that they're doing these things is because of TV deals and TV money. And you just said it, they're trying to get markets for their individual products. At what point does all that give though? And, uh, and you would like to think that this bubble is going to burst for a lot of these lower programs. Am I wrong on that? Do you think that Stanford swimming at some point is going to exist? So I'm, I like college football, big college football fan, but I'm more of a basketball guy. And my thing is, is at some point, even basketball is going to get left. Just for the pure fact, not saying the basketball is obviously college basketball is going to die, but at the end of the day, when you're having all these different schools into college basketball, there's going to be some sort of, I guess, disconnect between late night. I mean, I don't know. It's, I just think that at some point football is going to outrule everything. And, like, one thing not getting talked about is I know they talked about it earlier this week on this show, but, like, you got baseball. You got, like you said, swimming. I mean, imagine being the swimmers or the baseball players where they got to go from Rutgers to go play UCLA for a series and then – they still got class tomorrow. Like, it's just, at some point, I think it's going to come to where there's going to be a football conference, then there's going to be all the other sports. That's because what it they're not going to be able to, and I agree with 100%, you're not going to be able to keep all of this. And I mean, I guess they're making millions upon millions, but right. at the end of the day, the, the cost alone for these Olympic sports to be able to fund charter flights and private flight to get Ohio State out to UCLA, and I mean Ohio State's a whole different breed. Like Northwestern, they don't have. A big uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it, it's not, it's not. And you were talking about the paying the NIL. I don't know if you guys watched the, uh, the Johnny Manziel documentary on Netflix, but they straight pretty much. I mean, they admitted that they were lying about things to cover up the autographs and all the money he was making. Yeah. No, I, 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 I appreciate your call. I, I, we'll spend some time talking about that. I think that here's the thing. There should be two different, and, and, and at some point I'd like to think that there will be, but right now that's just not the way that they can forecast it because they're still hiding underneath this umbrella that they're amateur athletics and it's college sports and everything and everything is, 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 is still the same, but it's not the same. It's not the same. 
this sport of college football has become very popular. It's become so popular that it's that it's drawn ratings high enough to earn significant amounts of money. And that significant amount of money has turned itself into making things make decisions. And at some point, college athletics has to take a step back and say, okay, college football is different than every other sport. It needs to be treated different. It needs to be treated different. The conferences for college football and or whatever league alignment you want to talk about for college football should be different than all the other sports. And the reason right now that Rutgers is going to have to travel to UCLA for swimming or, or you know, I'm not trying to pick on swimming, but it's the one thing that comes to mind when I think of like a lower level Olympic sport that probably doesn't have a ton of revenue, but men's soccer. The reason that they have to do that is because they're still we're still all acting as if this is just a, a a conference realignment in college football and college athletics for for lack of a better term stays the same. Why not in a perfect world? And at some point I think they'll get to this because of money. Right now the reason they're going to take those flights across country is because it costs like $50,000 probably for the women's soccer team to fly all over the country extra more. It costs 50,000 more dollars. $50,000 when it comes to these TV deals for these schools in California is literally a drop in the bucket. It's, 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 not even a, it's not even thought about. It's not even thought about. So that's why they're doing it. But at some point, it doesn't make sense. Well, we already know. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. What does make sense is saying, okay, for a sport that only plays 12 games a year, 13, 14 games a year, we can go wherever we want in the country. Hell, we could probably, for lack of a better term, go wherever we want in the world, and it'll still make financial sense. But all these other sports, I don't know why we have to put this damn outfit on to act like it, like the, act like it should be the same. It doesn't need to be the same. In fact, it's not the same. If you went to any athletic program right now, and you went to the players in those said athletic programs, you went to the baseball team, the basketball team, maybe the basketball team's a little bit different, but I would say, anyway, soccer, lacrosse, you name it. And you said, hey, be honest with me. Do you get the same treatment as the football team? The answer's no. The answer's no. And the only reason I know that to a small extent is because I knew someone that played Division I baseball at Indiana when Indiana was actually pretty damn good. In fact, they went to the World Series. And I said, hey, you guys got all this nice stuff. You got this athletic dorms. You got all these different things. I said, I said is, is the basketball team different? And he said, oh, the basketball team? The basketball team. They get, I mean, we're supposed to have like one meal a day. Basketball team hangs out in here. They can eat as much as they want. No one's saying a word. Well, why is that? Because Indiana basketball is put on a pedestal. They're different. And they're going to get treated different. It's the same thing in any other any, any, any other analogy in the world. The truth is, is if you have one standout athlete on a team, they get away with more stuff than a guy that's right there at the cut line. Because why? Because you need that person. Or at least you think you need that person. In college football right now, every single program in their athletic department, or every athletic department looks at that college football, and they look at their football team as basically... You know, I don't want to say the, the, the cash cow, but that's what it is. So they're going to get treated differently. I was just going to ask, why do we have to act like college football at the, at the 
major levels as anything other than minor league. Like, what? Why do they have to still be associated with the schools? Well, like, you know what I'm can saying? I give you? Can I give you? Can I give you a, I mean, a bombshell answer? The schools aren't going to. There's get a bunch of old white guys that want it to be that way. That's the facts. There's a bunch of old white men that run something called the National Collegiate Athletics Association, NCAA for short. You might have heard of it before. They don't want that to change because there's a lot of money to be made off of the – and I'm not saying that they don't – listen, I'm not one to say that college athletes are, are, are oh, look at them, they're, 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 they're getting taken advantage of and this, that, and the other. There's, there's a select few college football players every year they're going to get taken advantage of. The Tim Tebow's of the world, they get taken advantage of. I mean, they just do. They, 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 they are the poster child of a huge product. They don't get a whole lot in return. But the point of the matter is, is that at the end of the day, there's a lot of people that are making a lot of money off of an amateur status because they don't have to pay a lot of money to these student athletes. And in fact, now what they've done is, is you have, remember not to tie a ribbon around this show, but to tie a ribbon around this show. You remember just not that long ago when I said you got a lot of rich people that have hobbies that just want to buy things because they want to have fun. That's what college football is for a lot of rich people. They love college football and they'll do anything for their school to win and they'll pay whatever they can pay to make sure that it happens. So guess what? The people that actually benefit from the TV deals they don't even, they're not even the ones that have to pay for the student-athletes. They just made an NIL deal. And you know why they don't want to regulate it? Because why would they? They don't have to pay the student-athletes. The rich donor does. The TV deals don't even change. The same people make the money. So, yes, first show back. Probably need to reel it back in a little bit, not go too, down, too far down off the beaten path. But that's why it doesn't change. That's why they don't want to make it minor league football because they love this amateur status and there's there's a select group of people that benefit from said amateur status. If you say it's minor league football, guess who's coming to the table that wants money? The players. And they already kind of have, but they don't Do you think do you think the NFL will ever I mean I, it's I, a I thought. Don't, I don't know. I don't know. If the NFL has anything to gain from it, like but, a G League, yeah, they start they start a G League and they they say, hey, the, we'll, the, we'll we'll pay. The, the only reason that they won't is because they'd have it'd be more expense out of the NFL's pocket, and that they they I don't know what they would gain other than having a more a better grasp on how these guys play against other pro prospects, but yeah, it's hard because Paul. Well, 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 Paul, everyone in this room already knows this, but Paul, maybe more than any of us, there's something nostalgic about universities. There's something nostalgic about traditions. There's something nostalgic about having something that you've done since you were five years old and you grew up and you went to your games with your grandpa. That never will go away because there's too much, there's too much heartstrings there. Who gives a rat's tail about the Cincinnati G League team that the NFL put in? You want to go down to Nippert Stadium with your boys and go watch that team. That's fun. And like, if, 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 if it is not never going to happen because human beings on this planet have too much greed and there's, there's not enough people with rational minds on this planet to make this work, but you'd like to think the universities would just say, listen, we need to treat college football completely different than everything else. It's gone to a whole nother atmosphere. It's a whole nother thing. Let's find a way to make this to where it's basically the minor leagues for college for, for, for the NFL. There's a select group of handful of programs that can do that. And then you know what? I hate to say this, but the Wake Forests of the world and the Rutgers of the world and even, you know, 
again, not to kill him, but like even like your, uh, I mean, Eastern Michigan, the whole, all the whole entire MAC conference. These these types of teams are all going to have to be put within one specific thing, and that turns into the old college football. Yeah, because these 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 upper echelon teams are not operating. They're not operating on the same playing field already, so who gives a damn if they're not playing in the same league? I do push back a little bit on what Blackmore says. The NILs and the portal will eventually rule, ruin college sports. I think NIL money will eventually... I think water will find its level there. And the other thing you have to remember about the transfer portal is that the reason it's been so crazy in these last couple of years is because you're still weeding out players that had that COVID year. COVID was a free-for-all... You could you got that extra year. Players used it left and right. You could stay in college for a while. As we phase out of that, and you get into the college landscape now, where you don't have as many players, you got to remember you can only transfer once. Yes, you can get a waiver. Yes, I understand all that. But the way that the rule is set up is you get one free transfer, and then you would have to sit out a year again. So you're gonna start to see the transfer portal come back down to earth a little bit. Because the other thing is. As all of these players enter the transfer portal, whether it's basketball or football, you have a crazy thousands of players are going into the transfer portal. What's going to eventually happen is you're going to start to have these players report back to their team and say, "Hey, look, you know, I went into the portal. You know, I went to this school. I used it as a stepping stone. Then I went to a high major. I got a better NIL deal. I got better. Uh, you know, I, I, I was playing for a more competitive team in a more competitive conference. Whatever it might be." But maybe that didn't work out for you in your career. So you're going to start to hear those players that didn't have the success in the portal that just think, oh, I, I mean, there was a story of somebody that uh, in college basketball, a player that thought he was going to get a huge deal. He thought he was going to go play at, at this big time school. He did not get that deal. And then all of a sudden he had lost his spot at his previous school because the coach didn't figure he was coming back. So they recruit somebody for his position. He couldn't go back to his old school. Then he ends up as a backup on a pretty bad team because that was just the only team that was able to take him. And oh, by the way, the one good player on that team filled his position. So it's just, you're going to start to hear more and more of those stories where I, I think if you give it four or five years, the portal and NIL will kind of even itself out. I don't think it's going to be the death of it. Recently, I, I had an experience where I was talking to somebody and he told me just a crazy NIL story that, like, you, you hear these NIL stories. If you don't dig enough into them, you just like, you just kind of go, whatever. I don't, I don't believe it. But this kid, college baseball player, going into his senior year, transfers out of the school that is a top twenty-five program. He's going to now a school that isn't of the same marquee, but isn't a better conference. He's a pitcher that's going to throw fifty innings this year. And he got offered $150,000 to go to this school. Not an SEC school. We're talking baseball. That makes no money. And some donor is giving this kid essentially $3,000 for every $1,000 for every out that he gets that year. That is, I, I, I cannot believe it. I can't believe it. You, you tell, are you telling me right now the straight face that if you ran into the, the Mega Millions Powerball that the, the Bluffton Beavers wouldn't have the best players on known man? They'd have a the turf earth. field. They'd have a turf field. I'd make sure of that. They'd have a stadium set up. They, 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 would, they would get rid of the bleachers. But 
We'd have a turf field, no doubt about it. There wouldn't be there wouldn't be offers of a hundred thousand dollars a year to top level college players just to, <laughs> just just so you can sit back and laugh and watch the watch the Bluffton Beavers just dominate. Beat be Oshkosh, Wisconsin in the D three World Series. Hell yeah, let's rock and roll, baby. All right, we're coming up on eleven fifty. Eleven fifty. I'm going to make this as formal as possible because eleven fifty. We're going to turn the reins over to Paul, Big League Paul. <laughs> And we're going to let Big Lee Paul take us out of this show, and he's going to give you the, pow- the, the chat power rankings or whatever he wants to phrase them because this is his day. I get two minutes to sit here and say thank you to Paul. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> At least I told myself that. Here's the deal. You start a company. You do your best. You try to, you try to uh, make ends meet on your own, and then you realize that you've gotten to the end of what you could possibly do on your own, and you have to go find other people. I've been very blessed to find good people. Um, I, most of those are sitting in this room, if we're being completely honest. I know Elliot's not here. Elliot has also been a, an addition, but I'm not going to give him the, uh, the, the, the respect that I will give the people that are in this room because he's just not been here long enough. So the true OGs outside of Sean, who I just seen walk by the door, are sitting right here. Um, when, you try, when you try to build a business, realistically, you can go about it one of two ways, in my opinion. One way is... You can try to go find people that are specifically good at a specific craft, and they supposedly are the best in the world at whatever they do. And when I say world, I'm being a little facetious. You get my point. The other is, is you try to find good people that you think are going to do a good job and work hard, and they're going to be um, relatively honest with you. And I put out a post, and Paul made mention of it um, on LinkedIn. I met Paul the first time when we were at our old office. It was an old dungeon. It didn't look great. But we were young and dumb, and we thought we were going to conquer the world. And we haven't conquered it yet, but we're closer than we were uh, then. We were closer now than we were then. And uh, at the time, Paul left the studio. I didn't know it, it, Paul was obviously aspiring to do other things, and it really probably wasn't a fit at the time. But he left the studio, and I thought, you know what? If, he, if I ever get a chance to hire that guy, I probably will. I put a post out on LinkedIn that says we needed salespeople, and we still do need salespeople. <laughs> um. Paul sent me a message and said, I'll do whatever I can. I might, I've never done sales in my life. Paul still hasn't really done sales in his life, but that's okay. <laughs> but he said he still, if, 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 I, if I'd be willing to take a chance on him, Paul said that he would uh, he'd come in and do whatever it took. Uh, Paul started here. He didn't have the same role he has now. He obviously slid in that chair next to Casey. And I think that we got uh, fortunate because that was a fit that made sense. Not only for what everybody wanted in this room, but I think for what made the most sense for us as a company. Paul did a great job sitting over there. And yes, we make fun of the Ham and Eggers and this. We make fun that it's Big League Paul. But, um, but at the end of the day, there'll be someone else that takes Paul's place. But for now, uh, it's safe to say that Paul's made an impact for our program. People in the chat obviously are going to miss you, Paul. I thank you for, being, uh, for, for, for putting your best foot forward, always saying nice things about us. And I think you've been honest about your time here. And I just hope that if somebody brings up the fact of what your time was here, um, you give them an honest review, not one that we want us to say, but an honest review. And um, I hope that you had as much fun as we've had with you. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely have. It's been fantastic being here. It's been a great time. I appreciate, you know, Reed, you, Trace, Sean, giving me a chance. Casey, obviously, sitting here to my left. Casey, pan this out. It's not just about me. We sit here at this desk together, pan this out. Uh, yeah, no, you guys, you guys gave me a chance here. And, and you know, I, I know maybe I have a little bit of a different role. Like, 
maybe I'm a little more serious than, than Elliot is. And I, I know that this company and the humor that this company is built on, uh, you know, off the air, being able to joke with you guys and, and texting and, and tweets that we share and TikToks and everything else and the fun that we have off the air. And, and you know, what we bring on the air is incredible. And the chat too. I mean, like, look, you know, I, I said the other day, I get to spend eight hours a day with my best friends here in the studio, but I also get to spend two hours a day with a whole lot of people, a lot of which I haven't met but some of which I have met, and it's been a, a fantastic time, and I can't say enough how much I appreciate it. Casey, we gotta pay the bills one more time here, so I want you to run the ham and eggers. Uh, we're, we're gonna do this one more time. We gotta pay the bills before we get out of here. It's that type of the I, show. I, I gotta talk to my guys one more time. These guys are great, trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Uh, this show is brought to you by Encore Technologies. We talked about the Bengals. The Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data center world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work from home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. That's right, Casey. You can visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Also, our friends at Pawnee, they're right across the street, Pawnee Water. They use natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use, and the result is the best tasting water in the world. You can visit their website at pawneywater.com. That's P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I water.com to see where you can buy it. Drink Pawnee Water, get your coffee from EDF, bet with Bedfred, and get your technology solutions from Encore. All right, that's that's all the that's all the business we have there. Uh, I do have the chat power rankings, but uh, Again, just, just to, to hammer this home, I, I really do appreciate everything you guys were able to do for me because working in sports and doing play-by-play, -play, you know, I, I think it's something that even Tom has talked about here on the show where when you do play-by-play, -play, which is really what I have done for the last seven to eight years of my career since I started in Hamilton. First job I had was a Hamilton Joe's. Reed's a fellow Hamilton Joe broadcast alumni. But uh, when, when you do play-by-play, you know the players, you talk to the players, you talk to the coaches, you get their stories, but it's pretty structured, right? You can go click on news stories, you know, you can, you can read facts, you can get stats, you tell people stories, but coming up on, on a show like this, you know, you talk in the broadcast business, people always say, if, you, if I send my tape to a producer or if, if people want to come back to me with anything, they always say that you, you cut your teeth in the studio because that's where you find out where you really learn what you don't know or what you do know or that you you know what you don't know because that's an important part of the business so being able to be here and get the reps and do this in the studio and learn from tom learn from trace learn from reed casey elliott everybody to mix in humor and all that it's fun brings out a different side of your personality same with the chat and to be a part of something at least from this show from the ground up not chatterbox as a whole because they've done a lot of good things before i was here and will continue to do great things after i'm gone but to be part of this show and to start something here at this show that is going to be fantastic, especially, you know, as Trace does this too in the next few weeks or, or whenever Tom comes back too. To be part of something from the beginning is special because you always feel like you're a part of it, even if I'm not going to be here every day. And I will always feel like I'm a part of this, even if I'm not going to be here every day. And being able to talk college basketball and all those things that I did and, and I felt like I did really well, I'm proud of what I did here. I'm really proud of the opportunity I was given. All that is to say that I have some people to rank in the chat because I talked about not being able to meet everybody. Now, I have a top 10. Uh, I have honorable mentions, though, and I, I hope I got everybody. Mike Ackley. I slandered Mike Ackley's name to his face. 
I slandered his name to his face at Chatterbox Red tonight. I thought he was somebody else. I said I, I was picking on somebody. I was talking to Mike Ackley. And the poor guy goes, I'm Mike Ackley. And I said, no, yeah, you are, but that's not who I was talking about. And boy, did I feel like a schmuck. So sorry, Mike Ackley. I will forever feel bad about that. You are on my chat, honorable rankings. Uh, Blackmore, 1964. Evan Maurer. The Jonathan India thing. All right. Yash, RM, George Santos, Fred. Fred's always been great in the chat. Mark Fetters. I don't know if Chatterbox has a bigger fan right now than Mark Fetters. Our guy Mark Fetters is in the, the Twitter replies. Everything else. We love Mark Fetters. Thank you, Mark. Jordan Earhart, Drew Garrison. I know Drew's not watching the show today. He's on his bachelor party. Congratulations to Drew. Paul Painter. I went back in to try and find some OG shows and, and see if there was anybody that was still in the chat from, from way back when. Paul Painter is one of those from a show eight months ago that I found. Uh, Nick Mormon, Randy Gillespie's called in a couple of times this week, uh, and, he, and he tweets. Randy's more active on Twitter than he is in the chat. Goes to Luke Dreamweaver, Ken Cincy USA, Swaggy Plague, uh, and then, of course, Tomas. Tomas. I've gotten to know Tomas very, very well. Thomas, actually, but Tomas here on the show. Tomas, I've gotten to know him really well. Uh, he's become a good friend. He's a great friend to Casey. Was a fantastic best man, no matter what Casey says. Don't listen to him. You were a 10 out of 10. I saw it with my own eyes. Reed and I will still try to find out who dropped that bottle. Uh, and then, of course, Nathan Hines and Laura. Uh, I've gotten to know both of you guys as well. Uh, Alex's dad, Casey's dad. Uh, you guys have both been very uh, consistent members of the show for the, for the entire length of the show. And good contributors in the chat, too. So I hope I didn't forget anybody there on the, on the honorable mentions before I get into the top 10. Um, I mentioned that I think nine of the ten that are uh, that are on my top ten are in the show today. Number ten is somebody I haven't seen in the chat today, and that's AJ Worse. Now, Reed will tell you, it is very hard to get under my skin online. But AJ Worse did that. I thought AJ Worse hated me. And I, I, AJ Worse got to me for the first couple of months. I thought he hated me. And I think he came around on me. He was a little sour sometimes, but I think he came around on me. And uh, AJ Worse, he always was clever in the chat. And we went back and forth together. Uh, and I appreciate AJ and, and his contributions to the chat. Number nine, we have CJ Elfers. Now, CJ just called in. He was, I think, the last call. Uh, I met CJ. He's one of the few of the chat that I have met in person. See, I met CJ at Centos for a high school basketball game uh, that I was working back in March. Great guy. Uh, look forward to playing golf with CJ sometime if we can make that happen. Or maybe come back for the, for the Chatterbox Open, too. PB's Ghost. PB's Ghost has been a great caller. Uh, he's been a great chatter. He's been consistent for months. Thank you, uh, PB's Ghost. Number seven, we have Ronnie Smith. Now, look, Ronnie Smith. When I sit up there and I host and I start trying to think of topics that maybe aren't sports related, but fun topics that we can have debates about or argue about or, or share some laughs, nobody hates that more than Ronnie Smith. Because Ronnie Smith wants to talk sports and I don't blame him because you know why? This isn't Chatterbox. This is Chatterbox Sports. We don't take the sports out of Chatterbox Sports. This company will never rebrand as Chatterbox as long as Ronnie Smith is in the chat. This is Chatterbox Sports. And Ronnie Smith makes sure we keep it that way. Number six, the real Spirit Cat. Now, the real Spirit Cat is great because... Now, Spirit Cat, I just quite honestly Googled cat and came up with that. So, sorry <laughs> if we didn't get your profile picture. But Spirit Cat keeps our desk clean every day because of my water bottle here. Uh, 
he made these for us, these little coasters. There's one up there on the desk. I have one, uh, and I appreciate it, Spirit Cat. You're great. You've called in a couple of times, I think. Um, but you've also, uh, your DMs and your memes that you have sent have been hilarious. So thank you, Spirit Cat. Also uh, been, been fortunate enough to meet you in person. So Spirit Cat, great to see you, and hopefully we stay in contact. Number five, Alex Wallace. Now, Alex Wallace, again, I was going back to old shows. Alex Wallace was on day two of this show. Alex Wallace has been there quite literally from the very beginning. Um, if you go back to day one and, and all the shows are online and you look at the live chat replays, I think show one we had 15 chats, maybe, maybe. if we were lucky. I think the, I think the count was – we can we can see the stats here on the screen of how many people chat in. I think it was 15 chats. Day two, Alex Wallace was one of those. So Alex – uh, he says he listened to day one. I don't, I don't deny it. I don't doubt it. Uh, Alex, you're the best. Thank you, Alex. Number four, my college basketball guy, Brian B. Last year, Brian B., sometimes, you know, we'd be up here and, and we might not want to spend a whole segment talking about college basketball on the show. So what would we do? I'd hop into the chat and just do my own segment right to, right to Brian B. We love Brian B. I appreciate Brian B. And he appreciated me, which... I thank him for that. So thank you, Brian B. Thank you for watching the show. Uh, number three, near and dear to everybody's hearts here. I'll tell the story again. If I've told it once, I've told it a million times. Sir Boy Wonder 513. Sir Boy, uh, you know, we talked in October. We talked in November that if this chat, if we could eventually get 30 or 40 Sir Boy Wonders, that we'd feel like we made it because he consistently watched the show uh, we kind of measured what we thought was good and what was bad based on how often Serboy would chat into the show because we knew it was hitting if we were getting some chat participation. And, uh, you know, now we, 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 uh, there's only one Serboy wonder, but we certainly have grown the chat into a consistent place for a lot of people to get together and lower the GDP of Cincinnati one day at a time. So thank you to everybody that, that has uh, contributed to the growth of that and Serboy wonder consistently was there from day one. Sir Boy's been at pretty much all of our live events that we've been at. Um, so, so thank you. Uh, thank you, Sir Boy Wonder 513 for everything that you have contributed to the chat over the last year because, quite honestly, uh, it wouldn't be the same without you. It really wouldn't be. You, you, you generated the chat from day one, and it wouldn't be the same without you. Number two, Everett. Uh, I, tried, I tried to get Everett out on the links last week. I tried to get him out there with me. I know it will make it happen soon. Uh, Everett was one of the first that I can remember that brought some real funny humor into this show with the caps, the all caps politics comments, politics, religion, sports, everything else. Uh, Everett, Everett has been there. You know, when you think of Everett, uh, Sir Boy Wonder, all these guys, uh, Everett, Everett was there from, from pretty much in the beginning last fall. And uh, trust me, Everett, we, we will get out, we'll play golf. And again, I'm going to be around Cincinnati. It's not like I'm going anywhere. So if there's a chatterbox open, I'm going to try and play in it. If, uh, if you guys just want to get out and you have a, three guys for golf and you need a fourth, you know where to find me. Um, my DMs are always open. Everett, thank you for everything that you've contributed over the last year to the chat. And you will continue to, continue to contribute after I'm gone. But look, there's only one person that could be number one. I was going to do the shtick for Reed. I didn't do the shtick. I kept it a little serious. It is Mouse Cop. It is my number one guy, my Xavier fan, Mouse Cop. I love you, Mouse Cop. Um, I, uh, 
I appreciate all of the, the clever jokes, the hashtags, the memes, the funnies. Uh, Mouse Cop is also the only one that has ever ranked The Office. When we flipped it back to the chat to, uh, to, to rank The Office, Mouse Cop, from his, uh, from his Twitter account, sent me a, a ranking of The Office. And uh, I thank him for that. Mouse Cop, I will, uh, you'll, you'll be seeing a lot of me, Mouse Cop. I will say that. You'll be seeing a lot of me. And uh, I, I, I hope that, uh, you know, down the line, we all, we all kind of stay together as, as a family. That goes for Mouse Cop. That goes for everybody that I've ranked. The honorable mentions, everybody else. Um, you know, thank you to Trace. Thank you to Reed. Thank you to everybody. Uh, <laughs> Sir Boy Wonder. We love you, Paul. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Um, you know, if anybody ever wants to, to come to a Xavier game, uh, come by, say hi, whatever we might be, I'll be around. Trace, I, I want to say a massive thank you to you for hiring me and giving me a chance here. Um, and I know, you know, like, this seems melodramatic. I get it. But you guys and what you've built with Chatterbox Reds and what the Chatterbox fans that are listening to this will find out about next week is truly special. And... There are a couple of shows. There's one in particular that, that we're going to announce that is going to be spectacular. And I know I'm going to be locked into because uh, it's great content. Um, and and it, this company is is going no, nowhere but up. And I, uh, I can't wait to see what you guys do. Reed, I mean, you're my guy, Reed. You're my guy. I love you, Reed. Um, you, Mariana, the whole crew, I, I love you all. You're the best. Um, but I know you'll be around. I'm not going to get too dramatic there because I'm going to see it, Cintas. You'll, you'll be around, whether it's baseball, golf, Cintas, whatever. Reed, I know I'll see you. Sean, it's on the other side of this wall. But uh, thank you to Sean. And then last, last but uh, I'm saving the best for last here because that's my guy, Casey, right here. Thank you, Casey. Pull that camera out. Pull the camera out, Casey. Pull that camera out. He's been my guy. He's been right here. He's been my guy. I love you, Casey. You're the man. Love Thank you. you for everything. Love you too, Paul. Thank you, Trace. All right. Um, when you work at a place that people care enough about each other to, to be like that, that's something to be proud about. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back better than ever on Monday. And I promise you that we're going to give it hell. I know some people are, are worried. Uh, um, obviously, Paul is, uh, is a big loss. Tom is, is out, uh, but I think Tom will be back. But in the meantime, we're going to keep creating content. I will kick Elliot's ass in golf and hopefully <laughs> shut him up once and for all. I promise you, hopefully that will come next week. We'll figure out a chatterbox open. We'll continue to try to do things that are innovative. We have, like I said, a lot of shows that we're going to announce next week. We'll do those all next week. Um, and we also have a, a major announcement coming Monday. Um, about the rebirth of something that happened last year that many people are asking questions about. So until then, you enjoy your weekend. We have some work to go get done. We'll probably ball, uh, buy Paul lunch before he quits, <laughs> and then uh, we'll call it a day. So thank you for watching this dumb show, and we appreciate you watching this dumb company called Chatterbox Sports. Take care, everybody. <laughs>